I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing, is all I can call it. Squatch DTV, exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch detective, Steve Culls, and from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch DTV for today's date, March 28th, 2021. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective, Steve Coles. That down there is my co-host, Steve. Never late for supper. Welcome, dude. Mr. Chris <laughs> Bennett. <laughs> That's good to see you, Steve, man. I tell you what, it's been warming up here in Kentucky. Well, except for today, we've sure had some has, nice right? weather. It's been, uh, I'll tell you, the weather has been a uh, nice uh, change for a bit. A little uh, warmer than normal. Uh, you know, we were in the high 60s, 70s over the last week. Yeah. Now we're ranging about the 50s, which yeah, yeah. it's about average. just still a little bit above average for this time of year. I mean, it's still not even April. So, I managed to get my yard mowed yesterday, actually, and first time this year, and I found out something that the ticks are already out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they should be uh, out in full force by the time you get here in April, dude. Nice. Well, of course, pass it down. Of course, oh, we, yeah. got, we got our good friend Alex here. Hi, hello, Alex. Alex. How are we doing, guys? We are doing good. wonderful. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight talking about some of your journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look at some of the, the stuff you've done and some of the stuff we've done. 
and uh, not to mention the uh, a couple of videos we have that the making appearances on Facebook uh, in Bigfoot groups. So we'll take a look at those and uh, oh, yeah. uh, give our professional eye to them. Um, so, but without further ado, we always like to do the roll call to all our our, our great friends out there, and of course. Uh, we got Mr. Celtic who got in to get an early, a good seat. Mr. Celtic, welcome. And of course, uh, we we changed the graphic up a little bit. So, of course, uh, Bigfoot Society's in. Hello. Hey, welcome what's Big going Foot on, Society. Jeremiah? Diane, good to see Jeremiah. Hi, Diane, quick witty, quick witty. Amy Chris, who's got Amy a cool Chris. snapple ready to go. All right, low riders in the house. Low rider. There's <laughs> Mr. Mike. Hey, hey Mike. Back. Our good friend Cameron Young from the Great North. Oh, there, yeah. what's going Hi, on, Cameron? Cam? Of course. How can we forget B. Lane? Oh, Always the first. Hey, B. Hey, B. Amy is in the house. Amy, B. Hey, Amy. Hello, Amy. Amy, welcome. Bob Lemley's in the house. Hey, Bob. Good to see what's you. Going on, Bob. And who else we got? Uh oh, Jimmy Tricks in the house. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> Walt and Little Walt are in. Hey, Walt. Big Walt, Little Walt. Prairie Fire's in. Prairie Fire. No, Nani's in. Hi, Nani. Terry's in. Terry, welcome. Of course, it's how can we forget? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Mr. Charlie Wonton is in. Ah, uh, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> Hello, dear. <laughs> and of course, from over the pond, Frank is in the house. Welcome, Frank. Oh, getting late. How you doing, Frank? Yeah, really late over there. Je Mr. Jeffrey Thomas. Oh, who's, who's this guy, Jeff? <laughs> And who else we got? And we got Sarah Putnam in. Welcome, Sarah. We haven't seen hey, you here before, but welcome. welcome. Welcome, welcome. Rick, welcome. Hi, Rick. What's going on, Rick? Mineral Point, Wisconsin. Good to see you. We got Fango35. Welcome, sir. All right, hey, Fango. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. And we got John Bush. Hello, hey, John. Good to see you. John. John. And we got Ryan. Ryan, hey, Ryan welcome. What's up, so Ryan? We got quite the crowd in here already. So good awesome. To, good to have. So, um, let let's go to the the, the video mashup today this week. Uh, just caught a couple very interesting, uh, but are they Bigfoot? Uh, I don't think so. But let's take a look. This is the first one. We'll, we'll just run this to. Uh, this one was taken in Alaska. Um, that one's hiding really good. As you can see, their eye. Dude, get back over here. There's that one. See the eyes? See the stare? Look at that. Staring right at me. There's the other one. I can see the eyes. Oh, yeah, that's Christmas lights. Now we're going to go into a little slow mode mode of the actual eye shine. Mm. Um, to me, I'm pretty sure he never mentions it. It is a Bigfoot, right? Doesn't appear to be very excited about it. Um, and the, if you look at the hashtags, creepy glowing eyes, Alaska got moose in there, yeah, uh, yeah. And the last one is moose. I'm pretty sure that's a moose just by the sound of it. Uh, is that somebody's house behind it there? Yeah, yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they get huge moose in the middle of downtown Anchorage. I remember being there a number of years ago and. Seeing moose in the middle of the city was really not that unusual. It is in most other places, but there it's normal. So yeah. 
I could see that. Yeah. And uh, so that's what I think it is. Uh, welcome, Ammon. Or welcome, Aaron. Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Welcome, Aaron. Aaron says the dog seems unconcerned. I agree. Hmm. Crystal, can I share the link? I don't have the link. I have these. Hey, Crystal. Do not have the. Uh, do not have the uh, the actual link. Um, I have it. So I first found it somewhere on Facebook, and I just downloaded it. So yeah. Um. But yeah, to me, just the the initial, um, the huff of it. If you listen very carefully, it'll huff. It sounds like to me. It's uh, hiding really good. It's probably a moose snort. As you can see their eye. Dude, get back over here. <laughs> you want the dog? Get over here, dum dum. There's that one. See the eyes? See the stare? Look at that. And you can hear that very it's brief snort in there. Mm. There's that one. See the eyes? See the yeah. There's that one. See the eyes? See I yeah. mean, could it possibly be a polar bear or a bear? Grizzly? Maybe. Uh, Possible. Mm. Yeah. It's Alaska. You really never know. Yeah, exactly. Up there, anything's possible. So this other one... Uh, Looks very uh, not quite sure what it is. No big explanation here other than this is what we have. Now I see something in there, but what it is, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, clearly, it's a, a Fresno Nightcrawler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are the two videos, really. Not the uh, Bigfoot, at least. At least I don't think so. Whoop. There we are. So, yeah, that's uh, that wasn't too impressed with the. Yeah, and, oh, and look who stepped in the house, Mr. Bill Brock. He says, Moose hey, eyes do reflect light. Yep, just like deer. What's up, Bill? Uh, uh, moose, like other animals, are active at night. Absolutely. Have yeah, it to be totally. in them. Yep, and uh, you know the moose. The moose is the biggest of those ungulate crowds, like deer and elk. And well, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be uh, beyond classifying as possible bear too, because uh, right. if you're in Alaska, uh, that's probably about the right distance behind the house for right. a gut pile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, yeah, moose are moose are gigantic. I mean, even mm -hmm. if you're looking at it at night, you see that eye shine. It wouldn't be unusual. It's I mean, it could be six feet up, and that right. you know immediately could. Well, hey, that's within Bigfoot height, I guess. But yeah. like I said, in Anchorage, they get moose all the time. Uh, it's really not unusual there. I mean, other parts of the world, it's a little less common. Yeah. Uh, we I was actually just watching the show Northwoods Law, which takes place in my state of New Hampshire here, and. I remember they, they, they filmed an, in, an episode about one of the moose getting stuck in one of the larger cities here in New Hampshire. You know, larger, I mean, people <laughs> like 10,000 people. Yeah. But uh, that's unusual for a moose to come in. But in, in Anchorage, I mean, biggest city in Alaska, it's really not unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even uh, the city of Troy, New York, which kind of is, is like 30 miles from the Vermont border. Every once in a yeah. while, a moose wanders in. And, yeah, exactly. And know, they have to get tranked and they have to relocate yeah. them and... Actually, the ones that they they've made their appearance very early morning, and they usually show up like on a gas station trail cam or a gas station uh, security camera. They'll be sitting there and oh, hey, look what we saw crossing the road. And you see this moose tooling oh, by, dude. It's pretty cool. It's really yeah. nice having them up here. I mean, it's when I'm out in the woods, I've had a couple face to face with the moose, and there's this place in northern New Hampshire called Moose Alley where there's like the highest concentration of them. It's this area right between the Vermont and Maine borders. And I was up there in the summer and I saw 12 in the span 
span of 24 hours and wow. including a big male with a huge antlers. And of course, the moment I get my camera ready to go, he's already in the brush and, and gone. So, uh, but ama- there's so amazing animals. I really, as long as you can respectfully admire them from a distance and not agitate a cow, wow. you're good. <laughs> Yeah, well, if they had moose in Kentucky, man, I, that'd almost be worthy to start hunting again, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and Enigma threw it out there. The door was open. The guy was live when he, he taped that, okay? Oh, okay. And uh, not, ah, our Nottingham Yankee. Oh, uh, another so, another one staying up late. Yeah. Hi, welcome. Um, of course, Mackie James in the house. Hello. Hey, Mackie. Hey, Mackie. Uh, and uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Um uh oh god yeah i watched a lot of those shows about uh people live in alaska and i think it's really important for them uh well they they say that that uh to get a moose uh like every fall so they can fill their freezer up for the winter and uh most of those guys like live on moose meat you know over the winter <laughs> yeah. I, I like to try it Frank oh yeah you're right Frank says the only moose he wants to come face to face with is a chocolate one. <laughs> well, did I ever tell you my ex-wife was a horrible cook? You, th- you think Mick has problems? Yeah, my ex-wife made me a chocolate moose. I got an antler caught in my throat. Horrible. <laughs> oh, oh, no. No, yeah, but you can imagine the amount of meat that comes off of a moose. I mean, Alaska, they, they are the largest ones up in Alaska. Yeah. Even, even the ones we have out here in the Northeast, I mean, the males, they can get a thousand plus pounds easily. And yeah. that's just a, a amount. Of, I mean, I know here in New Hampshire, I don't know how it is in New York, uh, in New Hampshire and Maine, they offer, they get tags. So they only have a certain amount of, you know, moose tags as opposed right. to other, other animals. I mean, I'm not a hunter, but it's from what I've heard. So, uh, it's not as common, but maybe they'll give one tag for one, like a one forested area to a hunter. So it's a bit of a lottery system actually. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, about moose meat, I think John Bush is saying it's delicious. It's either, delicious. That the, oh. either that or the chocolate moose. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, Bob makes a comment that, yeah, and that's very true. Moose kill that more people true. than bears. A lot of snowmobile incidents, actually, especially yeah. up in uh, Maine and New Hampshire. Snowmobilers attacked. I've seen videos of guys getting attacked on snowmobiles. They, It's the cows, usually. So. Yeah. Watch out when you're snowmobiling out there. Well, crap. Maybe I don't want a moose in Kentucky anyway. <laughs> you don't want a Kentucky moose. No, they're too dangerous. They get all smacked uh, on. They all get smacked on Kentucky bourbon. Well, they've been. <laughs> and they, and then they come they've wandering been trying out. to like reintroduce like elk and stuff to Kentucky. Oh yeah. And, like uh, they like put a bunch out there and then they wait and hopefully the population will increase. And I think what's happening is as soon as they put them out there, everybody's shooting them and taking yeah. them home, putting them in the freezer. <laughs> think they did that in pennsylvania too they put in a big herd in there and now it's like one of the biggest herds on the i guess in the east because they're used to be here but i guess they're not anymore i don't know yeah. but well that's good you know i like the elk cool. meat is really good i gotta say i've had elk meat in colorado yes. and it's oh it's delicious I, I had a friend of mine in idaho stopping through made some elk stew it was oh, phenomenal it's not it as good, good as bison but it's still really good now yeah. i've got a uh, question for chris hmm. um uh, can you hunt elk in Kentucky? Are there elk in Kentucky? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Did not know. They have uh, tags. Uh, you can get one. Of course, now, you know, I've been away from the hunting game for several years now, but uh, yeah, you can, you can get tags for them. And, uh, but there's only certain parts of Kentucky that have a so-called population, which I don't think there are very many of them in Kentucky because if there were, they'd be everywhere. Uh, kind of like wild turkeys, you know, one year they're, you didn't see any turkeys at all. The next year, you're 
hitting them with your car crossing the road, you know. That's very true. Okay, so we have a couple of uh, videos lined up. Uh, I, I don't know which one do you think we should sh uh, show first. Alex, you want to do the uh, Trail of uh, Bigfoot first? Yeah, let's show the on the Trail of Bigfoot the journey. Oh, cool. Yeah. So a couple of uh, things, and, and I had the pleasure uh, recently of working with Alex on, on this. Uh, Alex was, you know, working with Small Town Monsters, and uh, uh, this is this is – I have actually seen the entire uh, – video it's phenomenal and uh here's the trailer and just on like a personal level this is probably the place where i finally considered the possibility of the bigfoot was real all over this region. This is a great pathway for them. There's not a lot of people living in that region. There's a lot of unexplored land and forests. I think that Whitehall almost functions as a gateway to this area and kind of uh, what we talked about a lot of the researchers was the possibility of migrational routes and, and the way these things are moving into other states into Vermont where there's other sightings and then you have this vast wilderness. One thing that's impressed me in, in the 40 years is how this topic can be a life changer. As it came around the side of the truck, looked me right in the eye. I was pretty much paralyzed with fear and shock and awe. I went to jump in the truck and when I turned, there was about an eight and a half foot one standing behind the truck. And as I was coming down the hill and I was looking up, and all of a sudden I see this big shadow and he stepped over the fence and I look at it, I go, oh my God. Was uh, so much fun. Ooh. Ooh, I'm gonna like that. Uh, yeah, that that was that was a heck of a lot of fun. And um, uh, what can I say? And Am and Chris says, "Tell me about that shotgun. That's a bullpup shotgun. That, that's in uh, KSG. <laughs> yeah, that thing made. I think every trailer that's that shot made it in there. <laughs> I, I remember when Ted first brought that out. Ted is one of uh, my, my guys. He's one of my longest team members. Right. And I remember the day he pulled that out. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I remember I was checking it out when we were in camp there because my brother was really interested in getting one. Yeah. Um, so we were like looking at it and he was showing us. And I think that was where that shot was when Ted was holding it up and showing us the lights and everything. And I guess it was uh, legal in New York. Yep. So it was a pretty cool little, little shotgun for sure. One of the few legal things in New York. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> they leave our shotguns alone. That's the amazing thing. Anything else? Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I myself am kind of am enamored with that particular piece of weaponry, not for taking down a squatch. Obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're a no kill group, but there are other tricky animals out there like bear that, you know, coyotes and, and other, we talked other, about moose too. I mean, about I'm, moose. I'm more worried about moose than anything. Yeah. I'm out there. Well, they, they have very small brains. Bears kind of like, eh, you know, bears are kind of like, eh, they think about it before they do it. Moose don't Not care. worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Moose don't Especially care. if they get brainworm, they get yeah. really psychotic. And yeah. I mean, they'll basically just, they'll be aggressive, but then they'll run around in circles until they yeah. inevitably die. So a lot of the fish and game guys, when they see that, oh. they'll just, put them out and put them out of their misery because they just start yeah. going in circles until they die because it rots their brain. So it's a sad thing to see. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. That's nature though. You know, it's not yeah. kind. Exactly. <laughs> so the next one is uh, the uh, trail of Bigfoot, uh, the Granite State case. So let's run, yeah. let's run this one. This is Alex's the brief teaser. Yeah. Yep. Looks cold. About 12 degrees. like a lot of fun too so a lot of great things going going on high quality camera work too i mean it's like really felt like i was there you know yeah i was uh i was back in january we went out and camped out i think it was one of the coldest nights of this winter it was about 12 degrees said it felt about five or six and we decided to make that our expedition weekend and head out there and hiked into this spot and that that project is uh, it's about a case here in New Hampshire that has kind of fallen into my lap. That's been really interesting to follow up on. And uh, that's beyond the trail. So it's kind of going to be accompanying on the trail of Bigfoot as by small town monsters. And it's sort of a, it's like similar, but we go a little more extreme. So we, we stay out in the woods. We talk to the researchers involved in the case. We try to stay out in the woods with them if we can, and just uh, show a lot of, a lot of the, like the skills out there in the wilderness, you know, uh, just setting, you know, it's kind of survivor man esque. There's a little bit of that element to it. Just showing a little bit of the, the interactive side. Cause when you're out in the woods, you got to set up, you got to keep yourself warm and, and safe. And uh, that's yeah. all part of the journey, I think. So that's, that was fun to show. Yeah, I mean, at what point does 12 degrees versus 5 degrees really make a difference? It doesn't. It does <laughs> not. I, so, I, I mean, it's crazy. We, I was hugging the fire like crazy. I mean, my some of my gear smelled for about a month. I mean, you could walk in the same room as it and just get hit with the smell of the fire like it was right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> but those zero deg degree sleeping bags and uh, heat blankets uh, do a difference. I mean, I slept like a baby that night. No Jillian. concern. Gentlemen, we have an announcement tonight. We have a VIP in the in the audience tonight. We have Mr. John Cartwright. I saw that. Hi, John. Welcome. John. Good to see you. The world's greatest Bigfoot hunter. That was <laughs> so good to see you, John. Yes, Hope sir. You, uh, glad to see your health is up and running. And uh, 
you know, we're, we're headed, uh, I'm headed out with uh, Mike out to Ohio in uh, May nice. for the uh, Sasquatch Triangle Conference. Um, David Wickham's going to be there and uh, hopefully a few other of my, uh, my friends out there. And, um, you know, and hopefully I can you know, run into you. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, um, next month, uh, actually less than a month from now, three weeks, I'll be heading to Kentucky yeah for a week uh, about and uh you know i'm gonna see david wickham down there and of course charlie raymond and ron yep. bowles so yep and, and charlie's course, expedition is sold out and yep. i'm gonna have to see if i can get in <laughs> and, and and we also have i'm gonna be seeing this guy down here too so, <laughs> so we're gonna cause a little chicanery well yeah provided you know charlie will let me in for a day to yep. hear steve speak you know if yep. you want i'll just listen to him talk at the house <laughs> oh man! You know, I, I thought that was kind of, fun. I thought that was kind of amazing because you know, with, with Chris having me there a couple of nights before the expedition, and you, you would think Chris would not want to hear me talk anymore. <laughs> uh, oh no! You go right ahead, <laughs> uh, oh. dude. I'll be your captive audience. You can yeah. practice on me. <laughs> Give me your spiel. Uh, but I know, you know, if you hadn't heard Steve uh, speak, you know, in person sometime, you know, if you're close to an event where he's at, get out there and listen to him because he's pretty fun. And you can always, you know, go to the back of the room and mock him and, you know, haggle a little bit, you know, heckle him a little bit. Cat call, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm mixing it. They don't let me in, sneak in the back door. I might have to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's the woods for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't sneak in the back door of the woods, what can you sneak? Yeah. So, oh man. So, uh, Alex, uh, let let's talk about some of the experiences. I mean, have you had any experiences out there in your travels that you can explain? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we're talking about Bigfoot, I've never had sort of a class A, I guess you could say. I've had possible class B stuff. I've talked to a lot of witnesses, uh, especially here in the New England area. I think it's a lot, it's underreported a lot of the cases here and there doesn't seem to be much, um, you know, detention put on this region. Obviously, New York uh, probably holds the crown for the Northeast in terms of exposure. You have Whitehall, the Adirondacks. I think this film on the Trail of Big for the Journey is going to put the Northeast on a map like it hasn't before. I mean, we did talk to obviously John Wilk and the Squatchachusetts guys in Western Massachusetts, which has a lot of great reports here in New England. I mean, in New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, uh, even parts of Massachusetts in the Eastern part near Boston. I mean, you have the Bridgewater Triangle where there's his through history, there's been some sightings. I don't know about recently. It's been a little um, built up since the eighties, but uh, you know, just, being out there in the woods uh, has been always interesting for me. I've always loved being out there. I've done wilderness training in the past, and I've always—I'm a big hiker. I've hiked all the mountains above forty-eight, above four thousand feet here in New Hampshire, called the New Hampshire Forty-Eight, and a number of other mountains in other parts of the country. And I, I just love being out in the woods. So uh, it wasn't until about 2016, 2015, I really started getting into the Bigfoot stuff and cryptozoology in general, doing films about this stuff. So my kind of go-to thing at first was going out with researchers and filmmaking and doing documentaries about researchers. And 
had one particular interesting encounter in Ohio with uh, Dallas and Wayne, who are these kind of really uh, eccentric yep. Bigfooters. There was a pretty good documentary done about them a while ago. You guys, I'm sure you've heard of them. Not your typical Bigfoot movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're characters. Dallas, God rest his soul. Uh, yeah, he passed he, away, unfortunately. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he'd been on the show a couple of times. He was, when we were doing the old blog talk shows, he used to call in all the time, say hello. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, although I didn't believe all his stuff, and but right. I knew, but I believed he believed in his stuff. Yeah. Was, that was good for me. You know, They're genuine guys. And what was yeah. really interesting was the dichotomy. I guess Dallas was really into the woo stuff and Wayne seemed to be much more flesh and blood. So it's really interesting to yeah. see them argue. But we, <laughs> it was funny. They took us out to this spot in, um, you know, in, in the, the Wayne national forest called the boneyard where there's been, you know, other people have been there and supposedly had activity and uh, Wayne did this call. And then we went up to the woods and there was something like knocking on a tree back there and it was pretty interesting it was the first time i really had a, you know heard anything possibly like a knock yeah. i mean i don't know if it was it didn't sound like a woodpecker but it could have been people i suppose we were the only ones out there uh, but again that's like possible class b but uh, since then most of the stuff i've had happen was in new hampshire uh, with a number of researchers and then this area that i actually will be talking about in um beyond the trail so the, the trailer you just showed it's an area not too far from me in in uh, southwest new hampshire large tracts of woods. And I've been going in, in and out of these areas since high school and um, was coincidentally camping out there in August of 2019 with a friend of mine uh, came up from Massachusetts. We went out to the kind of closest, it was about two and a half hour drive to the white mountains, which is one of my favorite places. And we just, it was getting late and we're like, oh, we're, by the time we get up there, it's going to be super dark. We might as well just stay a little bit closer to here. You know, he was coming up from Massachusetts. So we went out to the spot and we set up normally in this little, you know, just set up the fire. We're hanging out making some food. And we started hearing, you know, something moving around in the bushes. Uh, we didn't really think too much of it. You'd hear it from one direction and then behind you, it yeah. was like shuffling and branches breaking. And we're both kind of interested in Bigfoot. So we're thinking like, obviously it's not Bigfoot. I mean, this is just stupid. To even assume that, you know, you don't want to have Bigfoot on the brain confirmation bias. <laughs> so we just kind of kept going about our night. It kept happening. It was like, whatever was there, it was clearly interested in us. And there was more than one. Uh, so it was kind of weird. So that night, as I always do, I set up an audio recorder to run in my tent. I, that's just kind of something I do whenever I'm out in the woods. I've had, you know, moose run by at six in the morning in Maine, and, and I've gotten some other cool audio, non-Bigfoot related. So I just like to get, you know, audio of whatever maybe skulking around camp. Oh, so yeah. I didn't review that audio because that the second night we went to a different spot. And it wasn't until months later, I was hanging out with uh, John Wilk and Dave McCullough and a, a couple of the Squatchachusetts folks. And Dave was talking about a case that he had done in this, in this town, the very town that we had been camping in. He said there was a property owner there that was having some weird stuff happen, rocks thrown in the house, uh, claimed it was Bigfoot, other kind of stuff. And they, when they went out there, they had had some kind of incident with a branch being pushed over. So I kind of inquired where the location was. And he said, you know, he told me where it was and, and I pieced it together. And that's literally the closest house to the area we were camping out in. So I kind of was like, okay, that's interesting. And I went back and reviewed that audio then. And the moment I started reviewing it, so the, the audio had died about 45 minutes into the night. And by that point, we had already been snoring. So it was you know, ter <laughs> terrible audio. Both my friend Josh and I snore a lot. So, uh, but in, in that, in the 30 minutes before that, there was like knocks going on and, and stuff breaking and branches breaking. So I thought that was really interesting. So that kind of led me into uh, then talking to, you know, Dave Moore, and, and there's another BFRO researcher as well named Crystal Panic, who's involved in that case, and and just other folks in the area that I that I already known. 
And then, you know, I, I was interested in it, but I kind of had a lot of stuff going on. And that was in late 2019, obviously 2020 when COVID came around, the world shut down. So I was working from home and I was basically going out to the woods every single day to this very wooded spot because I was tracking a family of moose in that area. They were hunkering down there for the winter. And I remember it was the day Massachusetts went into a lockdown. Uh, you know, I live in New Hampshire, but I worked in Massachusetts. So it was the day they went into lockdown and I had a face to face with a female moose. And then I oh, kept geez. trying to go back. Of course, I didn't have my good camera with me. All I had was my iPhone camera. So I got some decent pictures, but it wasn't the zoom lens or anything. I just didn't bring it that day. So I kept going back. And then a couple of times I had like it was starting to get dark and I had I would hear gun. I heard this one time I heard gunshots in, in one direction. There were some turkeys flying around. And then from the other direction, as soon as the gunshot stopped like very close to me, what sounded like two knocks. So I was just kind of like, what the heck? And I started knocked back and I got some sort of a response, three knocks. Then I didn't hear anything else. And I had a couple miles to hike and it was getting dark. I went back this, the very next day with my brother. We hiked in after dark, right to where this area was. This is crazy. I pulled out my audio recorder. As I'm turning it on, maybe 100, 200 feet in the tree line, we hear this absolutely loud, clear knock. That was it. I turned, and of course, I wasn't rolling on the audio. And I turned it on. We stayed for about an hour. Nothing else happened. Dead, silent. So it was, I mean, and the moment it happened, I turned to him and I said, What did you hear? And he's like, I mean, it sounded like someone either smashed something or took a rock and threw it. And mm. it was weird. So I kept, you know, going back to the spot every day and basically almost every day. And not much happened up until April. Took a friend of mine in there. We went in after dark and we were both walking in there and we had this really weird thing happen where like, I, I just had this feeling we were being watched. And I know that's super cl cliche. Everyone says that, but I like felt this tingling. Wow. And, and yeah. in the moment that happened, my friend blurts out, dude, I think we're being watched. Yeah. And I turned to him and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? That's how did you read my mind? That's exactly what I was thinking. So we kept walking back and then we were kind of listening to something moving off in the, in the side. So we stopped in this little trail that we were at and diagonally behind us. Then we started hearing this like knock, this, this smack, this knock. And I turned the audio on. And for about 10 minutes, we listened to something breaking a branch and knocking. And we were trying to shine our lights in there and, and it just ended up stopping. We couldn't, I didn't have a floor at the time. I do. I do now. Thanks to John Wilk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, so it, that was interesting. Had a couple other things happen over the summer for the 4th of July. We went back to that original spot. We lit off fireworks from there and we grilled some food and then we had something come in. I don't know what it was. I had uh, the floor at the time and we had this rabbit hanging out near our camp the whole time, which was really weird. It was like odd behavior. I thought maybe we did hear some coyotes. So I thought maybe he was hanging out in our area because he realized that the coyotes probably won't get too close. It was weird behavior for a rabbit. I have footage on the floor, but we had something else then large breaking branches and kind of walking hmm. around. Didn't really see it. Didn't have too much else happen. But in the meantime, uh, during that kind of COVID period uh, where everything was sort of shut down, I uh, managed to get in contact with that property owner. And I kind of became friends with him and he took me out, showed me some of the areas he's had stuff happen. And it's virtually, I mean, it's basically a state forest and five or six di different conservation areas linked together. And between the BFR reports and other Bigfoot reports that have been kind of uh, known for, known about in the, in the area, the surrounding towns have stuff happening. I mean, there's a famous case from uh, a town not too far from there. 
where there's a story from the 1970s where a guy had a camper trailer get shook and he got so scared he abandoned the trailer and, and left the area and drove home and uh, I was at a flea market and there's been other incidents uh, a guy I heard actually told me a story about hearing saying his grandfather had a blueberry patch and every summer he said these things would come out of a cave and, and pick in the one corner of the blueberry field which is really weird the blueberry bushes you know so it was all these stories in the surrounding areas that have been going back for a while so it was interesting to talk to the property owner and hear his side and of the story and he had rocks thrown at his house or, or maybe a slap i don't know he had some kind of large sounds uh, he had one time as he was looking through the screen of a window he had a rock thrown right at his face hit the screen didn't hit him and that that kind of disturbed him he, he then contacted the bfro and that's actually when the BFRO got involved and he had a visual as well and just other weird stuff. And it was kind of one of those things where he had stuff happening for years, but then it was after a major incident happened that he kind of looked back yeah. and was uh, thinking, you know, Hey, what if that other stuff was related to this thing? You know, like he was talking, you know, rock, random weird rock piles, just uh, strange smells like something smelling like a wet dog was like trailing him in the woods and he couldn't see it. And, you know, he would go away and the smell would, disappear and he'd move back and yeah. it was like something large stationary so there's there's a lot i mean i, I interview him for beyond the trail so his full interview with a bunch of his stories are, are in there and mm -hmm. it's just really interesting so that was just that's one of the in more interesting cases i'd say because it's kind of been ongoing i was there in the fall too a bunch and left my audio recorder out at night and i mean i got all kinds of weird noises i think i got moose rutting actually got some very wow. weird weird audio that i think sounds like moose i mean uh because there is, like I said, there's a family that's been living in that area for quite a while. And I see evidence of them pretty regularly throughout the whole area. Uh, the moose population is bouncing back pretty nicely in that part of New Hampshire, which is really great to see because they were completely pushed out. You know, even 60 years ago, it wouldn't have been nearly as many now to the point where, as I mentioned earlier, we're having them start to come into the urban areas and just accidentally kind of wander in. So it's been an interesting case. I mean, I can't, of course, say that it's conclusively Sasquatch or anything, but it's just interesting that, you know, having some of these sorts of things happen in an area where there there is, you know, a pretty good report that was followed up by uh, three pretty credible BFRO researchers. And you know, Dave McCauley, you guys know him as well. Oh, um, yeah. Yep. So really interesting to, to have that happen. And uh, just, you know, kind of I just kind of go out there and see what happens. It seems yeah. pretty dead in the winter. I've been out there recently and. You know, not a whole lot going on. Of course, we just had this really nice spring thaw, as, as we were talking about earlier. It's, it hasn't been this warm in March in a long time. Yeah. We usually, up here in New Hampshire, we're getting yeah. snowstorms up in early April. So we're getting 70-degree yeah. weather. It's not even April yet. I'm like, this is great. So I've uh, been trying to get out there more, but I'm just busy with editing and getting ready for a trip here to Washington coming up. Yeah. So just a lot going on. So I'm hoping to get back out in the spot and I definitely will be going back a bunch this summer, but it's kind of been my, my personal case. Aside from that, I've had some other stuff in the white mountains uh, with other researchers. They've shown me their, their evidence. And, you know, we've had some interesting stuff happen, I guess, uh, yeah. like possible howls, whoops, that kind of stuff, but nothing really that conclusive. So um, a real quick question from uh, Amy Boo. She's been in and out because she's working and listening. And uh, she says, uh, Alex, have you ever done anything with Crystal Panic? Sorry if you've already said so. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome to see you, Amy. I had her on my show a couple months ago. Awesome researcher. Uh, yeah, I actually have done stuff with Crystal Panic. I met her originally must have been at one of these Squatchachusetts or there was like a BFRO town hall up in New Hampshire. And we 
came and a bunch of, I met a cool bunch of cool people and I've been out in, with her in the field a couple of times with another researcher up in the white mountains. And I actually just recently interviewed her uh, a couple months ago for beyond the trail. So she's actually, there's an interview with her talking about Bigfoot in New Hampshire, as well as her involvement with this case, which is really cool because uh, there, yeah, there's crystal uh, Dave, Dave McCullough. He's in on the trail of big for yeah. the journey. You know, we interview him. So it's cool that I got to interview him for my project as well. And crystals in there and, yeah. Uh, the homeowner. So it's kind of like I'm trying to build a more like holistic uh, story about this case because it's not just what happened to me. It's what happened to to Chris, the the property owner. It's what happened to Crystal and Dave and, and you know, the other folks involved in that uh, incident. So it's kind of like an overview of the whole case. So I hope it's kind of, it's kind of a cool format because it's it talks a little bit about the history of Bigfoot in New Hampshire, which a lot of people don't know about. And then it goes into the interview. So it's very interview heavy with all the people I just mentioned. And then uh, as, as we show the teaser, it's kind of about the us going out there and doing a little bit of the bushcraft kind yeah. of stuff and keeping it entertaining for folks. And uh, you know, if we, we, if we have something happen, we'll show it. If we don't, we're not just going to put something in there to make it seem like we did. We're right. just showing our experience out there camping in 12 degree weather. Yeah. I appreciate that too. <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that's one of the things yeah. as a filmmaker, you know, as you know, I'm a filmmaker who cares about the subject, obviously yeah. a lot of people that are into it, I think from the TV angle, you know, they're, they're in it for the ratings and the money. So they're not really like Bigfoot enthusiasts, but that's what I yeah. love about, you know, what I do and small town monsters and a lot of these independent folks that are actually, you know, in the community, they're cryptid enthusiasts, they're, they're Bigfoot enthusiasts. You know, I've never considered myself a, a Sasquatch researcher or a cryptozoology uh, researcher, you know, but, um, or cryptozoologist, but you know, that, the kind of the, the way I approach the subject is through the filmmaking you know, that involves a lot of boots on the ground that involves interviewing people involved in the case, whether it be eyewitnesses or, uh, researchers. So, I mean, that's, that's exactly why we were up in the Adirondacks with Steve and his crew wow. and, you know, uh, hanging out with Steve and Mike and just some fantastic people that all have a different skill set they bring to the subject. And uh, yeah. just interesting to hear their perspective and, and show that to people. And basically we're letting people make up their own mind, you know, that yeah. whether it's my film or, or, or on the trail of Bigfoot, we're not there to say Bigfoot is definitely in New Hampshire, definitely in the Northeast. It's just, we're kind of laying out the experiences and, and bringing some exposure to the subject and people can yeah. walk away from it saying, Oh, they're there, or this is all a bunch of baloney. That's totally up to them. Well, Alex, you said something earlier that, that really intrigued me too, and a lot of people kind of overlook this. You said you you got the feeling you were being watched, and and your buddy said he felt like he was being watched. Weirdest and, thing ever. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, if they've not been out in the woods much when they they get out there, they don't realize that. Hey, you know those senses are built into you. They really Absolutely. are. They're really ancient and they're really old, but you can tap into them and. and you know, if you feel the hair tingling on the back of your neck or it feels like it's raising up on the back of your neck, that's because it is. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. So, I mean, I, I never had it happen that prominently at night. I mean, I've had it happen other times, uh, yeah. especially in that area. You know, a couple of times I was in there. Uh, just I like to go there alone most of the time. Usually yeah. I don't go in alone at night. I mean, I, I, I do, but uh, usually um, what was interesting was that when I took my friend in there, I didn't tell him about any of the previous stuff because I didn't want right. to give him any ideas or anything. And, right. uh, you know. I'd been in there with other friends. Nothing's happened. You know, that was just one night randomly where something yeah. happened. But other times I've been in there and had a weird feeling. I just kind of, you know, attribute it to seeing maybe there's another animal. I mean, there's certainly times out there, especially as humans, we're so loud out in the woods that yeah. if you take a moment to really sit down and just 
let the forest settle down. And I encourage uh, people to do this that maybe haven't tried it. Just kind of yeah. let the woods, you'll be amazed. I mean, you might see a deer kind of walking in the distance because now that you're settled in, as long as, long as you don't have some super pungent odor or something that's yeah. <laughs> repelling everything, but you can get some, you can get some scent off. You know, that's what yeah. I, I just spray that up before I go out in the woods, not because I'm a hunter, but just because I think it's uh, you know, I want to see a little bit of, yes. of what's going on out there. Yeah. And you can, yeah, that, that, that soap, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, yeah. When, after you get done washing with it, you smell like dirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's a natural got the detergent. You can, you can wash, lawn, wash your laundry in it. And when, when it gets done, you know, it's oh, it's like wild. Dirt. Yeah. Cause people don't realize, you know, I mean, most people uh, I hope do that. We, you know, we have an, odor obviously we have body yes. odor we try to yeah. mask it with all these chemicals and right. our clothes and everything smells you know super fresh clean whatever right. chemical detergents are in there yeah. but if you spend two weeks out in the woods as hikers know i mean especially people doing the appalachian trail those are some of the smelliest people you'll yeah. ever find out you, there you but begin they, to smell like a yeti exactly so skunk <laughs> ape is not that unusual if you think about just living in that environment for a while you really take on a smell and you know on on longer backpacking trips that's certainly been the case with uh, with me and then you'll get back into town or whatever and you'll smell your gear after you've showered right. like oh man so that's what i smell like that's why people you know kept their six feet away from us even before covid <laughs> <laughs> good boy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember trips years ago. I I was out for two, sometimes three weeks. Oh, it's yeah. And you, you come back and like you get in that shower and you feel like you're taking off twelve pounds. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that they get the uh, showered and, and spruced up when they go out in the woods to animals. They smell like a skunk. You know, they, they yeah. smell it a while. Evan off. Chris smells. He smells, smells like cinnamon rolls. <laughs> And bacon. <laughs> Maybe that would bring a squatch in. Who knows? And thank and thank you, Adam and Chris, for putting that that way. That way we could we we could do it just like I smell yeah. like cinnamon rolls. And bacon. Yeah. And bacon. <laughs> and bacon. <laughs> That's great. No, it's 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 been funny. You know, whenever I'm hiking, when I was doing my uh, 48 4,000 footers, you know, a couple of years ago, I finished them in uh, summer 2019. So. You know, we were doing multiple mountains a, a weekend. You know, we would do two in a weekend, three in a weekend. It was grueling, but a lot of the times we would pick up Appalachian Trail hikers in August, or is around the time they're coming up through New Hampshire. They're heading yeah. up to Maine to finish up, and you know, I always like to kind of help people out. So they'd, they'd be hitchhiking. You know, they they want to ride into town, and it's like right. it's a five minute ride for me. For them, it's another hour hiking on top yeah. of the ten miles they've done today. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I will pick them up, and they'll they'll usually you know buy you McDonald's or just whatever. But you know, as soon as they get in the car, it's like, whew, man, that is a that is a stink fest. So it, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, you don't realize it because you you absorb that smell. Basically, right. you're smelling all the time. You're up in the fresh air in the mountains, so you're yeah. not like you you don't you're not aware of the smell. So it's uh it's pretty interesting, and and it gets rid of that fake scent that we put on with all the yeah. chemicals and everything. And of course, our Georgia boy here, Jeff Thomas. Said Southern people equal social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> but but I uh, while I'm here, I do have a question for Jeff. Uh, you're out there listening. Uh, I would love to have you come on next week and talk about the 2012 expedition. We I've never talked about it with somebody that was actually on the expedition itself, and I think you coming on would be really fun and to talk about that that particular. That was a really great great expedition uh we shot was it a, uh i think we shot we were shooting uh, sasquatch planet at the time so um but there was plenty of times where the crews weren't there and that's when a lot of the stuff was actually happening so jeff if you want to come on next week just 
Okay. It's, it's a done deal. So next week, Jeff will be on. We'll talk about that. I'll give you a, a PM after the show. And nothing like conducting Good a little deal. business during the show. <laughs> but he made mention of, uh, you know, 2012 in one of the, in one of the comments about, you know, stuff happens, especially when the cameras aren't there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm like, that would really be a fun, uh, fun thing to talk about that particular. And we can talk about other stuff too, but, yeah. um, but uh, yes, there is a Dr. Squatch soap out there too. Now. Also, oh yeah. That's a, uh, <laughs> well, and, you know, there are other tricks and you know, before they had all the, uh, the, the products where you could deodorize your, yeah. Scent, uh, you know, what we would do is deer hunters, we would take and cut an apple in half and rub it all over us and then put the apple halves in our pocket. And, you know, that would, we thought <laughs> that would, that would cure the scent you know, or mask it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, you think about some of the stuff that's been done in the past. I mean, you had to, it's so easy now. Like we said, you just go to, you know, your store or whatever yeah. fishing game and just, just pretty much just buy the spray thing. I mean, that's you what can. I always carry. I carry one in the car just, just in case, you know, yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, uh, I always let, I always look at it from the aspect of that, you know, a Sasquatch really isn't a very scent driven creature. Right. Uh, because of that, you can, you know, the, the size of the nose actually doesn't have a long snout like a bear or ungulate that really needs its nose to forage. Whereas uh, a Sasquatch uses its brain and size, its ears. And um, so uh, I, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that will want to dissent themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, prior to a Sasquatch, I never thought it was very, uh, I never thought it was very pertinent. Um, yeah, I mean, you can imagine their sense of smell obviously is stronger than probably the average human. I mean, just considering right. we're like always in the same spot, you know, we're we're used to the smells. I mean, think right. about when you smell something gross, you're like, oh, you know, oh. There, you, you have, yeah, but you spend time out in the woods, you get a little bit more of a refined scent. I mean, your your hearing gets a little better. Your uh, obviously vision, if we're talking about night vision, you know, when you're out in the woods, not using flashlights. <laughs> I vote. <laughs> Mick, that would definitely bring something in. Mick says he would vote for meatloaf scented camouflage. <coughs> Barbecue leave, scented camouflage. No, leave it to Mick to leave it to. Uh, and he says, just make sure to bring the bear spray. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alex, that used to be one of my favorite things to do. I, I would, uh, back in the day when I, when I was physically fit, I would hike around three to four, maybe even six miles back in the woods. Yeah. And sit down back up against a tree and just sit there and wait for about an hour or two and listen. And, uh, you know, you can, you can really find yourself too. Not only is it, oh, seriously, uh, you can, you can listen and hear the sounds of nature, but, uh, it's very calming. It's Super really- relaxing. It's like very grounding for me. I mean, especially during the whole COVID thing. I mean, I was, I was like enjoying it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a little fun going on between Jeff Thomas and uh, battle yeah. in the chat, but uh, no, I, like I said, it's, uh... <laughs> oh, oh no. man, uh, they, they need to get out in the woods and uh, just sit behind a tree and relax. That's right. You know, at, at, at the worst that can happen, if you go out in the woods looking around for a squatch, you're going to get some time out in nature, and that's always a good thing. You might sit on a hornet's nest like I did one oh. time, and uh, oh. got a, High school um, got, got attacked. Okay. Yeah, that was fun. So there's a story I have in the same area. Well, was it the same? One of the areas that we were in uh, up in the Dax. Sure. Uh, we were shooting um, 
America's Book of Secrets. It was 2013. Mm. And we were finishing up on the last night. Everybody's packing up. And all of a sudden, somebody had walked over to an area. And apparently, there was a, a nest of yellow jackets in the ground because yellow jackets nest in the ground. Oh, yep. So here we are at you know nine o'clock at night, and all the yellow jackets are responding now. Oh. And all, all of a sudden, everybody laughed because here was my comment: "Bees run!" <laughs> everybody scrambled. Not what you want to hear. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. they're they're bad. I mean, I think it was it was like on a dried out riverbed, and I was just going in there, sitting down. It was a it was a log, you know, just kind of on the ground, and I sort of sat on it, and the log kind of crumpled a little bit. And I don't know if they were in the ground or if they were in the log itself, but I just started getting attacked, and I had this sweatshirt. I kind of wrapped it around my face, but they got me in the face, arms, oh, just everywhere. I was like, I I got back. It was. I was in school and, you know, they're like my friends are like, what is wrong? What, what happened to you, man? You get beat up. I'm like, no, I just got attacked by what if I was allergic. I mean, that would have been uh, oh absolute yeah. disaster because I was out there alone. But, yeah. uh, you know, luckily I'm not. So it was just it was not fun. And I uh, still every time I see a, a hornet or one of these things, I mean, bees, not so much. But, man, it's still it still gives me some tingles of pain from, you know, getting yeah. 20 stings at once. <laughs> Uh, wasps and hornets uh, are, are my favorites to avoid. Definitely. <laughs> Honeybees, not so much. You know, even yeah. if they do sting you, it's not that bad. But I now bad wasp, they die, you know. If a wasp or a hornet gets you, oh, yeah, you're going to yep. know it. Oof. And there's my buddy from Maine, Don Voltz. Oh, Maine, awesome. I'll be uh, hey, looking. I'll be looking to get up to see his property not too soon from now. Maine's incredible. Love yeah. Maine. Yeah, dude, Especially, they get some snow up there. I mean, they get some <laughs> snow. It's crazy, yeah. And, yeah, I've uh, had some. The wilderness up in Maine is just simply amazing. I mean, evening, Timmy boy. That's just the, some of the best terrain I think on the East Coast, at least in the Northeast. Aside from maybe the Adirondacks, is you know, Howdy, parts George. Of New Hampshire and Maine, just amazing up there. Yeah, Maine Damn. actually has the largest tracts of land on the East Coast that are not owned by federal or like Bureau of Land Management. You know, there's all the national forests and that kind of stuff, especially out west. All that land that's just no one living out there. These woods, yeah. it's it's federally owned yeah. or state owned. A lot of that territory in Maine is actually privately owned. It's all under lock and key. A lot of logging companies. So if you look at the maps of population, I mean, Maine is the least populated state basically on the east coast. Wow, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of mines out there. Too. Yeah, a lot of old mines and that kind of stuff. And and but it's all under lock and key. A lot of these places, even the Great North Woods region of Maine, I mean, it's some of the areas are accessible to people. They have the you know yeah. part of the logging companies. They'll have like a an area for the people to go do camping or whatever. But a lot of this stuff is just there's nothing but bad logging roads up there. And I've I've been camping in some of these spots and like this summer, my brother and I were out there and, and going back to moose again. We had these moose run. You know, at 6 a.m. right past our tent, it was like an elephant running next to your tent. Stuck my head out, you know, see this yeah. huge mama moose and, and the baby. Ooh. She looks at me, huffs and just runs off in the woods. And that's the kind of stuff that just happens up there. I mean, they have they have more moose than people in, in the north part. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, now, I, now, Alex, I a, oh, uh, when I do make my way up to Don, I'd love you to come with me. He's got some stuff going on and he also has 40 acres. 
Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, even in Maine, I mean, some of the reports even take place closer to where the population is, which is all kind of in the southern part of the state towards the coast and Portland. Portland, of course, is where Lauren Coleman has the International Cryptozoology Museum. So that's a fun spot. But uh, that's where, you know, most of the people live. The north part, like I said, it's literally the least populated part of the entire yeah. northeast and, and, and the east coast. It's crazy just the amount of acres up there. Um, but uh, you know, there's not a lot of reports up there because you need people to have reports. So most of the reports tend to be in other parts of Maine. And there's some, there's a couple of great researchers up there. There's a great book about it. Uh, but I think Daniel Green, Shadow in the Woods, History of Maine and Bigfoot. And there's also uh, Michelle Soulier, who's coming out with a book, a really big book about Bigfoot history and sightings in Maine. And it's super underreported, but there's some really interesting stories going back to the logging days, you know, people mm. talking about, hairy ape men in the mountains when they're logging and all kinds mm. of really neat stuff. And up until this day, there's, there's some uh, native American stuff too. There's some of the tribes that are still living up there. They have like the Medi bumps howler is one of them. Yeah. Uh, just a bunch of cool stories. I, you know, it's amazing how you look at the history of all these different States and they have this history going back. Yeah. Uh, it's just, there's gotta be something to it. Yeah. Know? I mean, uh, in, in, Going back to logging stories in New Hampshire, up in the northern part, which we call the Great North Woods, there's Coaz County, which uh, they have this story called the Wood Devils. And it's a story that uh, basically kind of came out of the late 1800s. A lot of the logging crews up there said that they were seeing these things that were tall, hairy, and gray, and that you could almost walk into one before you saw it because they'd hide behind trees. And there'd be terrible screams at night being heard. And I, I was told at a library talk I did before COVID started in January of 2020, this woman told me a story of her grandfather. It was really interesting, actually. There was a prisoner of war camp in World War II up in a place called Stark, New Hampshire, middle yes. of nowhere. To this day, nothing. A really famous incident, actually. One of the German POWs escaped from this camp and was caught in New York City. They've, there's like been a book about it. Uh, so that's that camp. But I guess her grandfather was a guard at this camp and the Germans there were put on logging duty because there was you know, that was the main industry up there was timber. And they said that they would refuse to go back into the woods because they were seeing gorillas out there. So you're taking a bunch of uh, you know German soldiers Whoa. who have no connection to the woods in North America. And they're, they're complaining about seeing gorillas. I mean, could have mm. been some weird ploy to like get out of doing the hard labor. But uh, apparently they were genuinely scared of some kind of seeing gorillas in the trees, which is, you know, really makes you wonder what, what, you know, why would, why would this story kind of come out? I don't know. Uh, right. so there ha is there something that is, you know, the, the source of these stories? Well, if I, I, if so. I knew something, my, my father uh, served in world war two um, was in Patton's third army uh, served at a POW camp after uh, in Czechoslovakia after, during the occupation and actually served at, you know, a German prisoner war camp. And the interesting thing, you say, you know, they may have wanted to get out of work. The Germans actually wanted to work. That they, was the whole mantra of, uh, they, of the they, Reich, you know, right? Well, not only that, but they were they, they had this pride about them that, you know. That hey, is true. And, and they they also had this this attitude like, hey, it better to be doing something than just sitting oh, yeah. around letting your mind. The and, Germans, you know, my, my family's originally from Eastern Europe and, uh, you know, growing up hearing stories about Germans and where my family's from in Serbia, actually, on my dad's side, there was a lot of ethnic Germans because that was under the Austro-Hungarian Empire for right. a number of yep. centuries. So my grandmother's village there was half the village was ethnic Germans and they used to say, you know, there was my grandmother spoke Serbian, but my, my dad says when he was a kid, even they would, they would wake them up with, uh, you know, 
yelling words in German because the, the villagers were just hanging out with these Germans. But Germans, their work ethic is unbelievable. I've had some family and friends that you know are, are living in Germany or from Germany, and it's I, I yeah. got to go there once, and it's like that. It's amazing, just you know what they've been able to do. I mean, their country was destroyed to like the last building practically yep. during World War II. I mean, it was a horrific war, and they built it back up. And I mean, it's one of the leading economies in Europe and. Yeah. Parts of Eastern Europe, you know, we had communism, civil wars, and it's still just as bad, basically, in terms of economics. So it's like the people are a little lazier. And, you know, Greeks and Italians, they have this reputation for being lazy. And uh, the Germans, you know, they work like a like a Swiss watch. They're very, very efficient. Who doesn't like a good BMW or, you know, some some German engineering? <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, you look at Germany, 1955, 10 years, and you oh. couldn't tell. You couldn't tell the place was devastated or leveled. Absolutely. And and 20 years on, you know, after the wars in, in you know, my parents' former country, Yugoslavia, it's still still yeah. a disaster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look at Beirut. Not that that oh, some war happened. Least, yeah. That happened, what, 30 years ago, 40 years ago now in the 80s. And it's still going on. Yeah, still, you know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I still think there's got to be something you know to that you know the, the whole story that that is awesome I I got to pick up that book when it comes out yeah it's uh, um, I, I don't know what it's going to be titled but um I had Michelle on my show when I first started doing it and and she's she actually used to be how I know her was from she used to own the bookstore that the cryptozoology museum in Portland was right next to so she's done a lot of stuff with Lauren and uh, you know was really into that stuff and as, I, like she was working on it for like ten years this book and I guess is just been kind of completing it so they're, they're that and the like i said the other bigfoot book about maine is real it's i have it in my bookshelf it's it's like a real <laughs> real thick book oh, yeah. and, there, and, and there it is Wilkes first date was in a yugo <laughs> <laughs> man those cars those were uh yeah <laughs> a lot of people had their first dates in there yeah, i had a buddy that bought one of those new had a Pro new one. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. Well, I, I think it ran for a little while. <laughs> a little while is the key word, right? Yeah. Yeah, that they, they was one of the only products, I guess, that made it over from over there that was uh, iconic. And people still drive them now as a joke. You know, they, they're still old ones. You can see them over there. Uh, it's kind of funny. You can rent one. Like, people will rent them if they do a road trip. And uh, <laughs> they're quite a car. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> Communist engineering. That and the guns. That and the guns. You know, the guns. I think are probably better than the cars. But the I Yugo can't definitely remember his name. But I was in the Air Force with a young man in New Mexico, and the local dealership had a uh, uh, one of those uh, push pull or drag it in uh, trade in deals for on on a new car. They would allow you like, I think it was like two thousand dollars or twenty five hundred dollars on a new car, and. He had a car that was, you know, it was just like a $150 car that finally quit. And they drug it over to the dealership and he said, yeah, I want this Yugo. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he paid about 800 bucks between them or something like that. Oh, man. And, yes, uh, I take 20 rubles and bottle of vodka. <laughs> oh, man. I can't remember his name. Dang on that, it. Does that awesome. thing have lawnmower tires on it? Oh, it's it's like the ergonomics are just insane yeah. in there. Like it's like, like that's about as big as a big wheel tire. You know the front big wheel tire. It's yeah. Uh, 
yeah the cars over there are a lot smaller too even in you know like other parts of europe you know they don't have big trucks or anything so you'll see these these you know seven foot tall dudes getting out of a little car like this and it's like a clown car kind of scene just starts walking out it's like how does this work and here you know everyone's got a big truck or an suv or something Quick, when he says he still got a Hugo SK. Oh, that, that, Hugo yeah. SKSs are great. I gotta yeah. say, awesome <laughs> rifle. Look They're at heavy. That. Look at look at that thing. Good lord! I think if we put Wilk in one of those things, we'd have to get a can opener to get him out. That's <laughs> 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 all right, John. Um, yeah, probably probably me. About fifteen years ago, you'd probably stick me in there. You need a can opener to get me out. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, everybody asks me what's my secret lo- secret to weight loss. I always tell them diabetes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody, and that, that's a true story. I went to, I went down to K- Kentucky a few years back and somebody hadn't seen me a few years back. Steve, you look great. How'd you do it? <laughs> diabetes. Oh, man. <laughs> it's one way to do it. You know, he, they they give you all these medications. Oh, you may lose a little weight. Well, you do, and I take five of those medications that you lose a little weight with, and I oh, lost yeah. a lot of weight. But uh, I feel yeah. great. I feel time great. for a refill with our non-sponsor <clears throat> Double Cola. Are you li- looking and listening? <laughs> That's right. Um, Send me some skis. So anyway, uh, just on a side note. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you, you didn't know about this because I didn't know about this until, but, um, here, here's something very interesting. I, I live in a great, great, um, and we do have uh, a question from Reba and we're going to come up there and hello, Reba. Welcome to the show. Um, I do have a great, uh, story to tell you is that I, I live in a great County. Um, so I'm sitting around the, the, on my day off. I think it was, uh, Thursday. Um, and my phone rings and it says Saratoga County Department of Health. I'm like, uh oh, did I become one of those contact people that you know? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, so I answer the phone. Hello, and I'm like, Mr. Coles, yes. Um, would you like a COVID vaccination? Why, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> when tomorrow? Beautiful. So Friday, I got my first COVID shot. And congratulations. Uh, the side effects were negligible. Nothing negligible. I had a little sore arm yesterday, big whoop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shingles vax was much more painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and about six hours afterwards, a little bit scratchiness in the throat, maybe the nose. Yeah. But it was like, mm. but nothing, nothing to write home, not, nothing to stay yeah. home with, no fever, no nothing. Good. And I did get the Pfizer shot. So and the nice thing is, is they said, oh, yeah, just come back on, on this day and, you know, you'll get your second shot. Oh, wow. done. Very cool. Seven miles from my house. So I didn't have to go to Utica or Plattsburgh because that seems to be a big, big problem in New York because the mainstay of the vax is going to the city. So it's, it's right. really, really shaky to get vaccinated. Um, yeah, so. I'm planning on getting mine just as soon as possible. We're Kentucky's in phase 1C now, which means I'm eligible. Uh, but the problem is uh, my transmission went out, so uh, I'm going to be stuck at home for a few days. <laughs> yep. uh, it's okay. I yeah. thought you were going to say they were giving you a call for a Bigfoot report or something. Have you gotten anything <laughs> like that? Um, no, but uh, you never know. My son's a forest ranger. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So you never know when you may hate dad. Uh, just let you know. It's Heads okay up, to tell yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but he works in Rensselaer County and they're not really inundated with a lot of Bigfoot reports. They have some in the Southern part of the County where they border Columbia County, which was the home of the Kinderhook creature. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we were actually there too. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole little subsection yep. in on with, the trail of Bigfoot, the journey. Yep. yep. With Bruce, uh, Bruce yep. Hallenbach was on the uh, old radio show many years ago. Uh, one of the writers of the book that got me involved. I mean, um, it's a really interesting story. I didn't actually know that Kinderhook was involved in the whole Sleepy Hollow story, that that was actually yep. the town, I guess, where it was written. And a lot of the characters were based off of people who lived in the town. So yep. I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't know that. That's really like a classic American kind of folklore story. So yeah, they have a they have a bridge down there, the Rip Van Winkle Bridge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No. Yep. So, yeah. Um it's a cool yeah. town and, and not far from there. I mean, it's really only about an hour. Like when we were out there filming, we were in Kinderhook. We basically, uh, from when we were up there with you guys up in uh, up in the Dax, and you know, when when we got out of Whitehall, we drove. I think it was like an hour or two south to Kinderhook, past Albany and everything. We were in Kinderhook, and then an hour later, we were in Western Massachusetts, hanging out with John Wilk and, yeah, uh, and the Squatchachusetts guys. So it's all pretty pretty close, and it, it's it's pretty weird because Rensselaer County, the eastern side. It borders not only on on Vermont, but also borders Massachusetts. Exactly. And then you go down further, and then you start bordering Connecticut. Right. So it's really a, a very uh, interesting state. We have a lot of states we border. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we border something like, uh, well, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania actually covers our southern side and our western side. Isn't there a little chunk of Ohio? No. Or is it Pennsylvania? No, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania cuts it off. Yeah. 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 Um, and then you know to the to the uh, to the southeastern side you have, you know New Jer Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and then as you go up you have Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, Vermont. Yeah, and then Canada to the north. Right. So it's so, a huge yeah. state. I mean, I think yeah. you think about going from New York City to Buffalo. I mean, what that's that's like a how many hours of a drive is that? Six, seven. Uh, oh, yeah, Maybe six and a half. Six yeah, and a half. Something crazy like that. And that that's if your bladder holds. <laughs> Because I, I remember I used to live when I was a kid. We lived in New York City when we first moved to the States. And I think we must have gone up to Niagara Falls one time. And it was like a heck of a journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you, you know, the amazing thing is, is that when uh, I traveled uh, to the West, like if you travel, if I travel in Minnesota, Michigan, uh, any, any of the what, nor northern western states, I take the shortcut through Ontario. Yeah, um, right. It just makes sense. To, yeah. It's, otherwise, it's, you got to go down all the way. the loop. Yeah, through Chicago oh. and Detroit and all that. So, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, if mm -hmm. I want to get to, uh, you know, uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or Wisconsin, you know, it's it's much easier. Just to that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I remember I didn't have my birth certificate. This was years ago. I didn't have my birth certificate. And uh, I, I thought you could get into Canada with just your driver's license. Like, no, you need your birth certificate. Like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, really? I, I, I don't want to drive through Detroit. <laughs> and the, and the and, and the the border guard looks at me. He goes, "All right, unless you need to make a rest stop or gas." He goes, "Go on through." <laughs> yeah, my sympathy. He didn't want me going through Detroit either. <laughs> a little different now, probably, but man, that sounds great. <clears throat> well, yeah, border's now, been closed forever. I, mean, I don't know when they're yeah, opening it up. Soon, I, I think it'll be soon. The, uh, the the nice thing about it is now we have the enhanced driver's licenses. And I have an enhanced driver's license. Of course, since I had it, I haven't been able to go to Canada. The real ID, yeah. yeah. Well, in, in New York, we call them the enhanced 
IDs. Um, in fact, the back looks like it has your pass, like a passport stamp right, on right. it in the back. So you just you just show that it's chipped, and you know you can get in and out of the, the country with that. It works for uh, Mexico. It works for Canada. It works right, for right. the Virgin Islands. It works for the Bahamas. So it, it does work very close by. Can't go to the UK on it, but that's okay. Yeah, I re- it was a few years ago. I remember there's a whole real ID thing. I was getting my license renewed and I was going out to Colorado to visit a buddy of mine. It was like two summers ago, I think. And I went to the DMV and this uh, crazy it just reinforces why everyone hates the DMV. So I'm waiting in line all day, whatever, to get my license renewed. And then they say, okay, here's the paper one, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to Colorado next week. Can I get the, the, the plastic one or whatever? The real one's shipped in. They're like, uh, you know, it may take up two to three weeks. I'm like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, out in Colorado, they're like, well, uh, you may have to bring your passport. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I, I kind of need the ID. And, and the lady says to me, sir, we give you a license to drive, not drink. She yeah. said that to me. And I looked wow. at her and I said, I, this is the reason why people hate the DMV. Wow. And they actually do legally give you an ID is not just to drive. It's to purchase alcohol, tobacco, firearms, you know, yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff. So her answer is wrong, but it's like, that's the reason why people despise the DMV. It was, it was pretty surreal. I was like, okay, well, that's, that's one way to put it. So I had to take my passport with me to Colorado and I'm out, you know, in the bars and I'm worried. I'm like bringing my passport with me because I'm, you know, I'm still yeah. young enough where I still occasionally get ID'd. And uh, and so it's it was just stupid having to walk around with my passport. I felt like a oh, I don't know a tourist in a foreign country. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, Alex, we give you license to drive. We don't give you license yeah. to get into girly <laughs> bars, strip clubs. <laughs> Man, I've been saving all these dollar bills for all that. <laughs> Man, um, no, you know I I don't have any gripes with uh, New York State DMV. Of course, the DMVs are individually run by the counties. Yeah, exactly. In, in our state, and. You know, like I said, I got a great county. I, I went in there for my enhanced ID. I knew the paperwork. I had. There's my birth certificate. Here's my, my bank statement because they need proof of address. Here's my old driver's license. Here's my social security card. You know, a week and a half later, there's my, my, my one right in the mail. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Ah, and thank you, Timmy Boy. Timmy <laughs> Boy says, hey, people, you don't go to someone's house and not wipe your feet. Wipe your feet before you enter Stephen Chris's house and hit the like button. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Exactly. Appreciate um, that. Good way to put but, it. Sorry to get off topic. Every once in a while we do. This is what this show is about, is having a little fun and, and just talking. And it, it's, you know, it's always been my goal for this show to be like just a few people sitting around like having a drink and just chit-chatting about Bigfoot and other things that, that come along with it. But, you know, again, a real ID or an enhanced driver's license is an important thing if you want to skip over to the border to, you know, Dave Winter said he, he's got an enhanced so he can see Mr. Kirk in Surrey. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and we talk about, you know, like moose and stuff like that because that's important. That's what we deal with. That's uh, not always a safe environment out there. And yeah. uh, good night, Amy. Amy and Miss Boo is taking off. Good night, Amy. See you, Amy. Yeah. And um, but uh, so there was a question asked uh, a while ago. I believe it was by Quick Witty. He was wondering. Uh, it could have been Adam and Chris. Um, he was asking what what your uh, what's your plans in Washington? Oh, uh, so. You know, it's it's we've talked about it before, but I'll kind of just lay out the basics. So 
we're heading out there to hang out with the Olympic project, basically. Uh, and I'm sure most people in the subject will be aware of them. A really sure. great group of people, uh, you know, Derek Randalls and Shane Corson and, and the whole crew. I mean, just some fantastic folks. So uh, a bunch of us are going out there, Seth Breedlove included, and, you know, a bunch of the Small Town Monsters crew, uh, Mark and Andy Matsky, who yeah. uh, we hung out with as well in New York yeah. over the summer. Uh, myself and my friend Eli Watson, who has a podcast called Crypto Campfire, he was with me, one of the executive producers on Chasing Legends, the show that we did this past year, documentary series. He's coming out with me. And so we're basically filming two documentaries at the same time, basically about the Olympic project. So it's going to be on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery. So sort of like what we did with Steve and, and everyone in, in New York, we're really doing a story about you know, Washington state specifically, wow. especially the Olympic peninsula and the Olympic project. So uh, Eli and myself are going to be kind of taking a step further and we're actually going to be hanging out with Shane and really doing some backcountry backpacking and uh, really getting out in the brush and just hanging out and just kind of doing our thing and, and uh, enjoying the wilderness and, and seeing what we can have happen. Yeah. So the, they're going to be taking us around to some of their spots and uh, you know, it, it's just going to be a dream to be out there. I've never been out to the Pacific Northwest, so uh, oh, it's going to be a, a rite of passage, especially as a lover of the wilderness. You know, the farthest I've made it is Northern California. Beautiful in itself, but I've heard the, the rainforests out in Washington are just something else. And you know what? I would uh, rib Seth, say, hey, Seth, you know, we're, we're not that far to stop by Cliff Barrickman's museum. Yeah. Or we're not that far to stop by Bluff Creek. Yeah. <laughs> just turn it into a whole road trip. Yeah. I was actually, I was thinking about trying to make it down to the museum. Uh, you know, we have this unfortunate really early flight. One of the mornings we're leaving oh, uh, myself man. and Eli, we were thinking about, you know, delaying our flights and, you know, kind of going down to the museum and, and hanging out with Connor Anderson and Cliff, you know, they're, uh, I recently had Connor on my show and Eli knows him and, and, you know, Cliff is obviously great and just kind of hang out and maybe do a little thing down at the museum. But I, I don't know. We might try and squeeze it out, but it's going to be a lot of driving either way. And the, and the price of gas these days is just yeah. totally insane, especially out there. I mean, it was like three fifty, almost $4 yeah. in some places out there. So I guess we'll see. But no, there's so much. I mean, there's so much cool stuff to see out there. I'm just personally so excited to just, like I said, be out there. And, and the rainforests out there are just seem like nothing else out there. I mean, just being able to see Mount Rainier in the distance and you know that's you know we're hearing the Hendersons was filmed and all this kind of stuff. It's uh, yeah. it's just the classic, I think, uh, almost like a rite of passage as a as a big fighter, yeah. in my opinion, to get out there. So well, I, 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 think brown, to be going. I think they have brown bears out there too, don't they? Washington State. They do. Um, not as many as you think. Yeah, uh, I think Alaska has the most, but I'm sure there's probably a few. But they got mountain lions. I mean, yeah. oh, supposedly yeah. we do here too. But I mean, we're talking real established populations, and the, the right. Olympic Project guys they get them regularly on, uh, yeah. on the trail yeah. cameras. They have. yeah, they right. get the mountain lions. They go. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I remember that video. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, um, hopefully, I mean, I'm down to see some kind of an animal, maybe an elk on my therm or something. Uh, I guess we'll see. But uh, either way, just to be out there, I think will be really awesome. Yeah. Just don't fly into Portland. <laughs> Portland as an airport. Yeah, I think because we're, you know, Seattle is just the easiest place for yeah. us. Because either way, it seems like a big drive. Yeah. And for folks, if they want to know more about the uh, the, the uh, Olympic project, we had Shane Corson on probably about four or five weeks ago, I think. Shane's awesome. Yeah, yeah he was he was great. Um, what, what else? Uh, any uh, Mick, our, our good friend Mick over there wants to know any plans for projects north of the border in the foreseeable future? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to get up there. I love, uh, you know, 
I've never been out to British Columbia either. And I think that one is really big on my list because not only do you have the Sasquatch stuff, you have uh, the Cadborosaurus on the coast there and Lake Okanagan with Okopogo. So I yeah. feel like you can go there and probably in one trip, you could go check out at least for a day or two, the whole area. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not that far from Canada as well. You know, New Hampshire borders Quebec and, uh, you know, I have uh, my dad's uncle up there in Montreal. I used to go up there pretty much every year. I haven't been since 2019 now. Um, but there's so much wilderness in Quebec too. I would love to just do a, a backpacking trip or just a hiking trip, camping trip, just somewhere in, uh, we're talking like three, four hours north of even uh, Quebec City. We're talking like absolute middle of nowhere where the only thing north, you know, even when you're in the wilderness in Maine, I mean, it's expansive and vast, but it's kind of weird knowing that three hours north you have Quebec or uh, Montreal and Quebec City. You know, that right. A little bit north, there's still population. But once you get north of those cities, there's nothing but the Arctic up there if you were to really keep driving. So I would love to get out in one of those areas and just see what it's like. I think there's not a lot of reports that we hear about from Quebec because of the language barrier. I think maybe there, it's a little underreported. There are some stories. And I think now most of the younger generation, at least when I've been up there, everyone speaks English. I mean, uh, they still speak French, which is cool because that's part of their like cultural heritage. But Everyone speaks English too, whereas maybe in the past when it was a lot of these uh, logging guys and people that lived off the land, they didn't speak any English. You know, they had a really big beef with the English at the time, you know, with the uh, the um, the Anglos and the, and, the, and the Quebecois there, the French. They like they, they I mean, they almost got into uh, fights a lot of the time. So it was it was very rough history. So I think they didn't translate maybe a lot of those stories into English. So be curious to know more about like Bigfoot stuff in Quebec. Yeah. And uh, are you going to be on hand for the premiere? Uh, possibly. I'm going to try to, but I'm not really sure uh, yet because that's uh, it, there's just a lot going on lately. Uh, April is going to be a busy month and I have just a lot of other projects going on with work and, and stuff in, in my personal life too. So just uh, I'm hoping to, but uh, fingers crossed they'll be able to make yeah. it out there. So uh, just folks are, especially though our friends in the Ohio region, uh, the, premiere of uh, on the trail of bigfoot the journey is going to be premiering on april 17th at the canton palace theater 605 market ave north and the doors open at 5 30 showtime is at 6 30 and seth and the gang will be on hand to answer questions so yeah i see in the comments mr celtic said the olympics get most of the attention but check out the north cascades yep. yeah i'd love to i mean if if i had if i could i would just go out there for like a whole month um, maybe at some point that'd be nice, but, uh, cause I was looking at some of the spots, you know, out really in the Cascades and I got a buddy who's living out there now and he's kind of like map, he's been to all over the place. I mean, it's been amazing seeing the stuff he's been posting, but the North Cascades, you know, that's where you got Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, obviously Ape Canyon area. I mean, it would just be so cool to get out there. And that's that, you know, on the Eastern part of the state, even, even going out towards Spokane or however they pronounce it, there's reports out that way. I mean, um, spend a lifetime in any of these individual states yeah. just exploring let alone looking for bigfoot history and, and reports yeah. so just the world is almost too big and it's unfair that we have such a short time yeah <laughs> i know planet. hey why, why can't we have a lifespan of like a tortoise yeah or a um, tree uh, or something you know yeah. live hundreds of years to just sit in a forest and not do anything so a <laughs> bunch of questions uh has alex checked out texas Lots uh, of action Hey, quick witty. I, they, I always see them commenting on my show as well. I haven't had a chance to really check out Texas very much, but now to Falk, which I guess, you know, we stayed in Texarkana, which was like right over the border. Yeah. We did Falk and, uh, you know, I, I guess East Texas has a lot of reports, but yep. I've heard of this 
Brushy Creek thing. I've heard of some of the stories just from that eastern part of Texas. Uh, Lyle's talked about some of that stuff. Lyle Blackburn, uh, did, you know, there's seen because that whole eastern part of Texas is basically like an extension of Arkansas and, and Louisiana yeah. with yeah. the swamps, and you got it's uh, all connected with uh, you know the uh, you know with the uh, Falk area. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had Craig Woolheater on my show, and he talked about obviously the Fort Worth monster. Yeah. Um, when we were driving out there, oh man, the the, the Caddo critter. We drove past i remember seeing the signs caddo lake and i'm like oh that's where the caddo critter thing happened i mean there's not much to see there now you'd have, probably have to yeah. spend more time there but uh yeah texas i mean it's like a whole country the size of that place so i'm sure there's more than a few spots i have a couple yeah. books actually i remember reading one about uh just the 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 what do they call the type of terrain down there Desert. Um, well, the <laughs> desert, but there's like a uh, yeah, the thickets, the, the, it was like the wild man of the big thicket or something. It was yeah. Big, I, <clears throat> I remember reading of... that a number of years ago, and there was a movie I saw called uh, "Beast of the Novadad" or something like that. And oh, the Novadad, yeah, yeah. So there's there's de- it seems like there's a lot of history. I mean, like I said, it's such a massive state; it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, if you're ever on the eastern side of Texas, it's it's pretty green and even yeah. some parts swampy. You know, yeah, but, it's like uh, ranches, and there's like it's not stereotypical Texas. A lot of people yeah. think of like cowboys and much more of like the plains, but it's there's right. a lot of different terrain yeah. out there. You you go to the eastern part of Texas, it looks like you know Arkansas. It looks like yeah. southern exactly. o- south south eastern Oklahoma. Yeah, that whole section, no yeah, the whole second is just. Yeah, it's like a th- it's like a three hour drive from Dallas to to um, Texarkana, and yeah, it's just you're passing through a lot of these green areas. Yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've been there. I've been down there for a, a while myself. Came back with a little bit of an accent. <laughs> I was down there. I was like, down twang. Down I came back with a twang. In fact, that's when I started saying y'all. Yeah. Y'all, y'all. It's so much easier than saying you all. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. They they got that right for sure. Uh, this people in South they got barbecued down to a T. So I mean, I could I could die happy with some Southern barbecue. And uh, when I was spending time in Alabama, that's the first time I ever heard of widget did you. Widget did you? Can you explain Alabama white thing? Chris, Chris, can you explain widget did you? <laughs> oh no, we we don't speak that here in Kentucky, Steve. <laughs> we say things like jeet, jeet, no Jew. What the heck? Jeet. I mean, did you eat yet? Did jeet. you? Eat? Oh, jeet. Oh, jeet. Oh. jeet. And then if you if you haven't, you said no, nah, Jew. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Did you? Jew. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're going, to, you're going to hear these terms here in a couple of weeks here, Steve. You need to, you know, kind of brush up on that. Bit, yeah. I'm going to have to bring my translator. <laughs> oh. Gee, did you eat? Oh, yeah, okay. There, there's yeah. definitely, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff put out, uh, got a comment over here, y'all equals use guys. Yeah, there's there's definitely a line somewhere where it's like, uh, it starts out real high as like use guys. And then as you get further south, it goes, you guys. And then as you get further south, even more, it says, y'all. So we go from you guys to you guys to y'all. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, in New York, it's, hey, you, get yeah, over here. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you don't even want to know. I got a here. guy. In the Boston area, it's just terrible, the accent. Oh, <laughs> Where's your car, kid? 
You know, you know, it's funny. You, I'm not going to do it. You, you talk, you talk to Wilk. You can't tell he's from Massachusetts. No, it's so weird. But you talk to McCullough. My oh God. Oh my gosh. City boy. Yeah. It's, it's like the Western part of Massachusetts has no accent. And then when you get up into parts of New Hampshire and Maine, they get, they talk this really weird accent. They say stuff like bub and they're, it's like this very, it's, I don't even know how to do it. It's uh, cause I, I don't really have the accent, but I've grown up with people who speak in, you know, with the pack your car kind of stuff and it's real yeah. i'll tell you man it's yeah. it's yeah you know they say wicked pissa like that's still that's a thing that people say it's a wicked pissa <laughs> <laughs> oh man now the, the funny thing is is that the new york city and the boston accent are actually and this i have actually read on this is actually a derivative of english the old english mm. If you ever hear a proper Eng uh, proper Englishman, they say proper, or they say you know, re remember uh, the <laughs> the big line in Batman when Michael Caine goes never. <laughs> well, if you think about it, both the people in Boston and in New York City lose their R's. Yeah, yeah. it's you all, know what's really all... weird though they lose their R's, but people will still add R's where there are no R's. So it's crazy. I've heard people say they'll just add R's to the end of people's names, you know, like uh, the names. I remember Vivlin High School had a teacher who talked like that. And he would say, you know, he would he would drop the R's where there were R's and add them where there weren't. So there was it was a classmate named Serena. It's like, hey, Serena, they just add the R there. It makes no sense. It's like, so you can say the R's, but apparently they're just they're selective. I don't know. Uh, I don't get it. Hey, Bobber, get over here. I guess, um, uh, yeah, Crystal says it's wicked awesome. Yeah, wicked is another one of those things. People up here say wicked a lot. Wicked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave's accent, accent is wicked pissa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wicked pissa. Um, yeah, it's, it's well, there's a real culture shock when you go to the UK. Oh, yeah. Um, because there, there are words that are, you know, used differently there. Um, you get there, and I remember they don't say thank you in England. They very rarely they say cheers. Cheers, yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers. Um, mate is more of a of an Australian term. Hmm. So they'll say mate. They'll say just cheers. You know. Um, but I what really threw me for the big loop was, you know, uh, just watch out for the. You know, I'm driving along. You know, uh, caution, lorries entering. What the Lorries, hell is a yeah. lorry? You know, it's a truck. Yeah, it's a, it's a tractor crazy. trailer. You know, well, it's uh, so Eng English is crazy because it's just spread in so many places. I mean, you could take a, 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 somebody from South Africa, right, with that crazy accent, put them in with somebody from the UK and Australia and Texas, and try and make them say the same object. Probably have four different yeah. words or very <laughs> different words. Yeah. And uh, the other the other thing that that was really that was quid, <coughs> quid yeah yeah give me twenty quid, where you know it's five quid, that's their equivalent to bucks. We say five bucks, they say five quid. Hmm. So it's really it was like oh okay, so you know now I watch some English programming, <laughs> I understand well okay I understand. When but, Gordon Ramsay is uh, cursing somebody out, you can kind of get a feel for what he's saying. Yeah, you, you got to get the train. Yeah. You know, what the hell? Jeff, Jeff says a uh, bookie ate haggis. <laughs> I did. I actually tried haggis. I did. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, 
I wouldn't go out of my way to get it again. What I did fall in love with was with, with black pudding. That was good. Oh, yeah. That's like a blood pudding kind of thing. Yeah, right? blood pudding. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. It's fried. What what can't be good about anything fried? Um, uh, no matter where yeah, really you go. Good beef in Scotland. The beef's really good because they got all those pastures. I remember going up there in uh, 2015. I went to Loch Ness, and I remember getting to the airport, and I got yelled at by some some Scottish lady. I didn't understand anything she was selling, saying to me, and then no. that she was saying, "Hey, go kind of send over here," and I was like, "I'm sorry, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to repeat that," you know. And she she slowed down and said it. I was like, "Oh, okay." She told me to stand in a certain area. I was like, "This is insane. It's just the same language, but it's so different." Yeah, um, they get they get rattling on. You're like, "Huh? <laughs> what? Is this English?" Right. Um, oh man. But um, uh, I love to hear people talk, no matter where you go. Uh, I love it. Everybody's got a different accent, different parts of the country, oh, even yeah. different parts of the world. You and, know, uh, I love it. Laurie's entering. Beware of large women. Large <laughs> Spotted dick. Spotted yeah, dick. <laughs> well, you know, there's those guys on YouTube that'll do like the accent impressions, right? And this one mm. guy, he'll do 20 different accents in English. Hilarious. Just to watch those back in the day, you know, he'll do the, he'll read like if I'm a movie script, right? It's some crazy scene and it's the South African accent or, uh, you know, Australia and they'll switch back New York City gangster or then all kinds of stuff. It's it's pretty entertaining, actually. Yeah, it's uh, mm. the, the. And this is some of the things we go through as squatchers. If you oh. travel the country, yeah, you know, you get these different, you know, um, you know, talk about going to Minnesota, you know, and and uh, it's very close to the Canadian type of accent. North Dakota went up there oh. to get a get a PO box at the local uh, post office there, and I talked to a bunch of people. So, oh, yeah. you're moving in here, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Need, need, to, need to get a PO box, yeah, yeah. Talk with yeah. the nose, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I love well, that. I one of the it. funny things I remember happening when I was at the we're talking about John Wilk in, the, in Squatchusetts. We I went to the Ohio Bigfoot conference with them. I think it was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. We were like selling merch for you know Squatchusetts and everything. And uh, a lot of the people that were from you know the South, they just couldn't say Squatchusetts. So they were yeah. like, Can I get yeah. one of them Squatchatushits uh, shirts? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't say Massachusetts either. And like, you know, it, it, it's I get it, it's a crazy <laughs> tough word, but you know, if you're not used to it, I can totally understand it. But it was just so funny happened like three times guy was like let me get the squatch of two shits uh, sticker there it was, it was great <laughs> you know or they can add an r into it a squatcher chooses <laughs> oh man um oh we're getting away from bigfoot here come on guys. Well, we're, we're talking about squatcher <laughs> oh yeah 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 i gotta yeah. say though that's one of the coolest bigfoot yeah. name like Squatch of Chusa's just this. That's good. Well, and I, I love the logo that Dave ha uh, that uh, John yeah. has and it's everything good. and the shirts. Yeah. There were some of my favorite shirts. Yeah. So uh, I got a question for Alex. Okay, Alex, fire away. I want this is my standard question I need to ask. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, have you ever had an experience where you've witnessed any eye shine or talked to people that has witnessed eye shine? And if so, were was there any particular color involved? Yeah, I've talked to a couple people who have had the red eye shine in the windows at night. I think one right. of them was uh, it was a property up in northern New Hampshire where they claimed that the kids had seen something like standing at the window, which was a little bit higher up. Right. I don't know. I don't know how many feet, maybe six plus. And they said that, you know, they weren't they didn't have any lights on, but they were like red glowing eyes looking at them at night. And I mean, it was a kid's story, but. 
that's the only one I really like personally know of that I, I yeah. heard this story about. But, you know, a Bear Road, when we were out there, obviously, when we were filming with Steve and everyone, you know, just knowing that story about a Bear Road and hearing Paul Bartholomew talk about it when we um, interviewed him and just, you know, kind of behind the scenes, I was talking to Paul and asking him about a lot of this stuff. And it seems to be that there's a number of reports that have that sort of not the normal eye shine color, you know, the orange right. or the yellowish thing that you expect. Like we in that video we showed at the beginning mm -hmm. with the moose or whatever mm -hmm. it was, you know, the moose or the bear, those kind of animals, you know, that reflects that light. I mean, it's, it's interesting because if you think about it as a filmmaker, if I think about it, it's like the way a night vision camera, IR cameras work in, in some instances, right. they're trying to reflect what little light they have. And that's kind of what the eyes are doing yeah. uh, in a lot of these cases. So, but when you hear the red light, the red eyes without any source red. of light, that's mm -hmm. kind of weird. Um, yeah. I don't know too many. I mean, there's there's definitely been some. I know with the Bridgewater Triangle stuff down in Massachusetts, I've heard of some stories about, you know, people seeing the red eyes at night. And there's been stories of devil dogs down there, you know, people seeing these dogs with glowing red eyes. And mm. you know, there's a lot of like urban legend in that area because it's kind of taken on a reputation of its own. But yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. I mean, whether or not it doesn't seem like it's all reports. I mean, like with the smell, it seems like mm -hmm. it's maybe 40 or less percent of reports tend to have the smell. Right. Uh, right. So it, not all, obviously not all encounters happen at night, but uh, not even the ones that happen at night have a majority of them have like uh, glowing eyes or, or right. report the red. I mean, that's, that's a little bit more rare. I, I, at least from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, Don Volz asks, is the eye sign just night vision that a lot of animals have? Uh, that's a, actually a mechanism in their eye, David. It's called the tapetum lucidum. And what that does is it's like a, uh, a reflector almost in yeah. the back of their eye. And what happens is they use that to absorb all the, the light it can. Uh, we don't have them as humans, but uh, it makes them have more of a, uh, a brighter vision at night. Uh, so just think about turning the 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 brightness up on you know you have a dark picture say you have a dark picture just turn the brightness up on it that's what that um, particular mechanism does and what happens is when you put a light on it uh, or you see it in you know even dim light it can reflect back that that light gets reflected back and that's because they're absorbing all the light they can so. I, I just I saw Bob Lemmy put in a comment said that's where I know Alex. I bought a shirt from him at the Ohio yeah. Peak Conference in 2019. That's, that's awesome. Funny. Hey Bob, yeah, that's cool. I mean, it was it was fun. We were just like hanging out and selling shirts and just having a good time. I mean, you meet a lot of cool people. People tell you their stories. That's one of my favorite. I can't wait for events to start up. You know, people yeah, just yeah. telling you their stories is one of my favorite parts. You just hear random stories, people all over the place. And then that's another reminder too. While I'm out there. September 25th, 2021, we have the Sasquatch Calling Festival in Whitehall, New York. Awesome. I'll be I'm, emceeing the calling contest again. I'm hoping to be out there. I'll be speaking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll be speaking. I'll be doing a presentation. I'll have my little my little fortification up too, uh, selling some books and uh, other Squatch Detective trinkets. And um, hope to see you there and hear your stories. So um uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing I, I have to thank Seth for doing that has not really been shown in any of the other documentaries I did was that he kind of showed the tactician I am, you know, with all the plotting and stuff like that. A lot oh, of people, yeah. you know, uh, that was just such a great piece with with uh, and I'm, I'm putting the cart before the horse, but there's a piece in there with me, you know, 
having my map spread out there and people will see for the for a lot that yeah i've been at this a while um yeah for me that was one of the coolest things was seeing that map as you said it shows that you've yeah. been at it for a while like it's not like you just pick this area and you go to different areas all the time i mean you have it mapped out thoroughly you have the reports of the people yeah. who originally had stuff happening there uh where your stuff happened other people's encounters it's like you can see there was some serious groundwork that yeah. obviously makes for a really good visual you know yeah. you're showing uh, you know, it's not just you talking about, well, I know this area. It's you just showing, putting in the groundwork. So I think that's that's going to be really cool for people. Like I said, I think that that piece is really going to put the the Whitehall story even more so on the map, as well as the rest of the Adirondacks. I mean, people are going to look at it differently. At, at, you know, if they've never seen anything about Bigfoot in the Adirondacks, they're going to watch that and say, wow, I want to go there and, do, and go squatching. It's going to be one of those places that's like you're going to think about like the PNW in that sort of sense. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing is I had three of those maps laid out, but I have a fourth and a fifth one that go into Vermont and it just, you just yeah. see the whole ran out of tent space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can only put so much on a cot. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's, uh, and you know, the fun thing, the fun thing is, is I have transposed all that information to Google earth to oh, a KML file cool. too. So now I, you know, and that's, that's the cool thing. I, I, earlier in the show, I was showing you my, my new tactical laptop I have. That's because I have the KML file on that. Now I can take that right out in the field and, and zoom in on it and look at the terrain and, and, you know, amazing technology, and, how it's, how it's helping the search. I mean, right. otherwise you'd have right. to lug around those maps and possibly uh, bad weather conditions or just tearing yeah. over the years, but now you can have it all digital and right there. And it's just as uh, the map, you know, you would have had to carry the f physical map. So yeah. awesome. And, you know, if anybody, you know, and this is my, my advice to people out there that are researching, or even if you're an enthusiast, take a Google map and start putting some of these points on the maps, you know, Hey, I heard about this encounter here, put a, put, put a pin there, drop a pin, yeah. write a description. After a while, in, in different types, if, if you know, if you want to do class A, class B, or whatever, you can do that. But start plotting them out, and then all of a sudden, you're going to say, "Wait a minute, I know where to go to look now." Mm. Oh yeah, you know, Google Earth I, is is just an incredible tool. I mean, even yeah. even the maps on on phones. I mean, yeah, I Google Earth. I, whenever I'm going to an area, I like to study it before. So I've been on Google Earth like every day, looking at some of these places in Washington. But I can't tell you the amount of times I've used it to find areas that I've then camped in, in like northern Maine and other areas, just remote spots that I'm like, this looks interesting. I want to check this out. Okay. So A really useful tool. Yeah. So B asked, can I elaborate on the KML file? Uh, basically, when you save your points uh, on a Google map, you save it. You can save it to a, 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 um, a file on your computer, and it's called the KML file. So, you know, if you look, I can just click on that. It opens up Google Earth, and there's all the points I've plotted. And then I can plot more and save it, and then it saves those points. So every time I update the map, I can update the KML file. So when I call Google you know, Google earth up those points are there. That's all I can open yeah. that file. So it saves my points. Um, yeah. and then that's the way to go. And then you can start looking at terrain and you can start figuring out where these guys may hide, where they may yeah. go, where they may live. Travel um, corridors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, sometimes on Google earth, you can even find 
areas that you know have been logged out stuff that maybe is different now than if whatever the satellite image is what year they were using it from but you can find sign of other animals even i mean like for example going back to moose again i mean i keep coming back to moose but i gotta love them they like a lot of these areas that have been logged out uh, they like to feed in these areas so that's a cool thing you can plot yeah. that out and say well here let me go check this out see if i can find some moose scat and then maybe wow. set up a trail camera in there if you're trying to get some moose coming in and feeding like that's just something you can do for fun if you just want to see other wildlife too and just save it to your phone uh like google it's very similar yes yep for those out of service areas yeah <laughs> um see here's the here's the thing uh david winter mentioned that bigfoot mapping project is doing that nationwide hmm. unfortunately the problem with that david is there is a lot of reports um like for example i know a lot of reports that you can't find anywhere yeah and that's yeah. because i've been out in areas and i've talked to people and people will ask you know and and this is another lesson too that i've learned um uh, you know, I remember myself and uh, Chuck from uh, the Northeast Sasquatch Research Association we were out uh, doing a little night vision stake out of an area. And uh, this guy drove up. Hey, what's going on? And, uh, you know, apparently we were in his his parking lot and we didn't really, you know, so. <laughs> so, we, we, you know, Chuck's like, what do we say? I go, uh, just watch. I said, oh, how you doing? You know, uh, here, here's my card gave one of my business cards. I said, yeah, actually we heard something that, that went up over on over here and he gave us some insight on what had happened. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you guys have, have fun. And now we got the insight on that. So, cool. uh, you know, another time uh, we were out just filming B roll and the guy's like, Hey, what's going on? And we start, well, you know, we're, we're doing this, this Bigfoot thing. And, and, the the wife goes, hang on a second. She pulls her husband out of the house. And she explained to him, well, my, my husband here, you know. So next thing you know, the husband's telling me a story when he was turkey hunting a couple of hundred yards from the house. Yeah. And 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 then that gets plotted. So a lot of these sightings that you yeah, hear. How would you know there, about those otherwise? I mean, that's like a right. random chance encounter. Right. right. Those are always fun. I mean, that yeah. I've had that happen around Lake Champlain, you know, where I, when I'm around the lake, I just love to go and just chat to local fishermen and see what happens. I mean, even when I was down in uh, in in Georgia, Altima, I was in Florida, I was driving up and I went to the Altamaha River, you know, Altamaha, right? This Alti, it's like this river monster. And I'm, I, I just kind of you know, nonchalantly walk up to some fishermen, I'm like, hey, you guys ever heard any stories? And the guy said, no, I haven't had a story of that, but you know, there was, I know a guy who saw one of these creatures and then he says, well, up the Creek here, I could take you there if you got time. And uh, I had some kind of wood knock experience. He's like, I don't know much about that, but I was like, you know, you're looking for one thing, yeah. you end up getting another story. So it's, yeah. it's, that's where the boots on the ground thing really is just, that's the way to go. Cause I mean, if you can, obviously, I mean, it's, it's great to do the preliminary yeah. research on everything yeah. and important to do the, the yeah. Google map stuff, but you never know. And I think things don't really happen coincidentally. A lot of times right. it's like, you're meant to just talk to that person randomly yeah. and somehow you right. have a connection in this area where otherwise you wouldn't go or you wouldn't that's, have any connection to some random that's gonna town. Be one of the big problems with the nationwide mapping of Bigfoot sites, because there's a lot of places where, it's not been reported. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just looking around the area around the, my home County here in Kentucky, you know, there's hardly yeah. anything you can't, you can't find yeah. any, hardly any reports, but you know, yet I've talked to you know dozens of people. Oh yeah. <laughs> they yep. just, uh, they didn't report it. 
Oh yeah, I mean that up here in New England, I think there's just as I was talking about earlier, there's a massive underreporting and sightings. There's still right. a big stigma to even talking about it. So right. I know of like people that I've met who have told me about their stories. And uh, Crystal, if she's still in the comments, she can talk about it. You know, there's like maybe 20 public sightings even on the BFRO page and some other pages in uh, in New Hampshire. We, we gotta like, get, there's hundreds we, of cases otherwise that are in the backlogs. Or you know, like I said, I, I know in this area where I'm doing the Beyond the Trail of thing, I know of one or two public reports. But I know about uh, a friend of mine whose neighbor said he's had rocks in his house. And then the town over is where the guys had the blueberry stuff going on. And the town over from there, that's where the guys had wood knocks and, and stuff going on in his backyard. And None yeah. of these people are on the BFRO or any other website. You know, they're just kind of, right. it's just a story they have. Right. Yeah. And uh, Crystal, Crystal is in the chat and Crystal, we would love to have you on the show as well. <clears throat> Perhaps the one after Mr. Thomas next week, but I got to look at the schedule because I know I'm going to be leaving very shortly. I think I have uh, two more shows before I take off. So I, I think we can squeeze you in before the great trip. And then we plan on having a lot of video, including some featuring me and that guy right down there. Yay! Um, <laughs> uh, him and I out in the plane about too. So we're going to have some a lot of fun when we get back. Um, but Crystal, we'd love to have you on the show as well. Um, yeah, she says, you know, here people want privacy, no yeah. trespassers. Yeah, that's a big one too. People yeah. just don't want yep. the idea of having like yeah. a, you know, yeah. Bigfooters come and st stomp around their property. People are just not into that. So yeah, that, Crystal's that, great. She'll tell you all about the New Hampshire stuff. Awesome. Um, so yeah, Crystal's like giving me the thumbs up on that too. So we're good. Um, yeah. You know, even in Whitehall, we have that same, I'm surprised nobody's bothered anybody on a bear road. You know, when, when you pull up there, you know, but the folks there must be used to it. You know, I'm sure they don't get a lot of that. Because a lot of people don't know that exact spot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it was yeah. a really funny experience I had up there in the summer. This was actually at when I believe you were down by the waterfront with Paul interviewing the guy who had had the recent sighting. Yes. Seth and them. And I was I was kind of a camera team B, right? So I was up on Bear Road getting some B-roll. And I had this Amish kid on a horse ride by. And like he looked like he was straight out of the 1800s. Yep. And I was looking, I'm like, man, what century am I in right now? Ebert Road, it's like it's going back in time. It was it was great. It made for an amazing shot. You know, I'm taking I'm just there with my camera and he comes by and he's looking at me like, what is this guy doing? Like <laughs> I was some kind of a space alien. It was very cool. Um, yeah, the uh the Amish have a now 20 years ago the there was no Amish, but yeah. apparently now there's a large Amish community. Amish community, both in the Whitehall area and a little bit over the border in Vermont. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen them multiple times. When I was filming on the Trail of Champ back in the day, I was in uh, right near um, Port Henry at a gas station. It was a Stewart's, and I was there. And this uh, this horse and buggy Amish pulls up, and mm. this guy uh, this guy pulls out, and he's like, "Excuse me, sir, can I get a selfie with you guys?" You should have seen the look on the guy's face, you know, because <laughs> one of those their, their things is they don't want to get their pictures taken. Right. So yeah. It was a very interesting cultural clash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh they, man, we love the Amish here in Kentucky, man. They moved in. It's been uh, a couple of decades ago now, and uh, now we have the uh, Amish mafia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. Yeah. What is true. it? The uh, the Mennonites are the other ones. They make some real good food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah cheese and all that stuff oh, but they can drive right they're a little bit more modern yeah yeah 
Amish make the best bread. Fa fascinating. Best bread. I mean, rolls. Uh, it's amazing in this part of the state that, that not necessarily where I live, but you go maybe 40 miles one way, 40 miles another. There are some huge Amish enclaves. Yeah. Um, huge. Um, but yeah, very, uh, you know, what are the odds of getting a sighting from an Amish person? I don't know. You know, yep. uh, they may consider it something evil. Um, you know, maybe maybe uh, towards a, a Nephilim or something like that. Yeah, I, I they would know. probably tie it back to a biblical reference, I would think, right. probably. That makes sense, yeah. Especially since, you know, the whole creation thing doesn't exist. Yeah, the whole that's a, evolution that thing to them doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. and it's also, you know, another reason that there's not many re sightings reported by the average individual is because, you know, there's nothing to be gained by it. You know, if anything, yeah. you're going to be ridiculed for it. So everybody just yeah. keeps it quiet. Keeps yeah, it, just like anything else in the in the Amish community, they keep it quiet. Yeah. You know? They they even have their own, you know, government per se. Oh yeah. You know, their their church <laughs> runs their church runs their penal system. Well, it's interesting. Like a lot of people in this subject will talk about, you know, uh, Native American communities too, and their connection to the subject. And, you know, cause those folks, especially a lot of the reservations live, you know, different life, I guess they have their own yeah. sort of laws and everything too. And for them, it's kind of just normal. I don't know. I, I wonder if some of these Amish communities, they just sort of accept it. Or like you said, do they try to, is it incorporated into their worldview? Is it part of the, you know, biblical reference or something? I'm really curious, but I don't, I don't know how you'd find out. Well, it's kind of funny that, Steve, we may end up investigating this possibility a little bit because there's an Amish community over near one of my research areas oh, cool. that I have never stopped in there and spoken with those people because of, you know, I was kind of worried about what they would think or what. They but would you would never you would never get them on camera to say anything because oh, they don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Word of mouth story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the, the downside of that. I mean, maybe you can record their voice. Maybe they would allow that. Hmm. Um, but as far as images, I know, uh, that has a lot to do religiously with them. That has a lot to do with, you know, the, the, the commandment, you know, worship, uh, graven images. So they, yeah. so they won't, they won't. And plus the technology, not, you know, yeah. they're not, well, yeah. that, that shall not worship graven images. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the reason why they don't want their picture taken is because they don't want anybody, uh, worshiping that in, in any sense of way like you know you have a picture of your mom up there you love that picture you know you, even though your mom ain't gone you true, love that right so yeah. that to them that's sinful yeah right <clears throat> but so we are winding down the show as we are at 10 53 p.m <coughs> um is there any uh <laughs> oh, did I miss a comment? Bob's comment over there said, "You guys were talking about accents earlier. Try talking to the Amish." <laughs> oh, Jesus, I think Steve could actually speak with them. They they fucking the Dutch. Uh, they speak a, a, a well. They don't speak a, German. Called Pennsylvania no, German, right? It's kind of like a German Dutch variant, kind of yeah. offshoot. Oh, okay. okay. That's a, yeah. It's it's more Dutch than it is German yeah, uh, because right, that's right. why they call it. That's why they call it Pennsylvania Dutch. Sounds uh, German, but it's Dutch. So now I wouldn't be able to. In fact, they probably, um, believe it or not, in their religion, they have a lot of hatred towards the Germans uh, because they were the Dutch were, were uh, you know, basically, you know, used as serfs and, and yeah. uh, slave labor. Wow. And that's why uh, Amish do not wear mustaches. 
Mm. Germans did. That's why they didn't wear belt buckles because mm. Germans did. So that's just some yeah, of the, the reasons. If you, if, the Germans, as we, t we, we talked about the Germans earlier, they're one of the loved, uh, loved and, and hated peoples in Europe for a lot of the history there. Yeah. Very, very rough history, obviously. Yeah. But uh, no, that's interesting how, you know, that's like an old world thing that's been carried over here yep. and it's developed yeah. on its own. I always find that fascinating. The whole, all these different cultures that mixed into here, you know, all these different European groups and other yeah. cultures. Yeah, you want to see a bunch of Germans run by? Let me speak German to them. They'll scatter because um, I do speak German. Um, but <laughs> um, I think that's the first time I spoke German on the air. Um, but anyway, I was actually uh, at a German restaurant yesterday with my buddies. We had some Wiener Schnitzel and uh, some good German beer. Ah, the Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, <laughs> Ich brauche, ich brauche. Das ist gut, das ist gut, ja. <laughs> ich brauche etwas zu essen. Ah. Yes, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, anyway, um, now I'm off a cocktail. Um, my, tra my train of thought became the train wreck. <laughs> uh, we better go. These comments are killing me over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is really warmed up tonight. He's really oh, yeah, he's he got some good zingers in there. Bob's hot, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> German potato salad, hot or cold? There is a question right there. German potato salad, hot or cold? Anybody want to answer that? Hot. I like it. Yeah, Gotta I like have it, it hot. Uh, yeah, oh. I'm not a I'm not a potato salad guy. <laughs> oh, German. That's how I could salad. lose weight. Put me on a diet of potato salad. Maybe some spatzel or whatever it is. I'll take spetzel, some of that. Yeah. yeah. Spetzel, yeah. Some spatzel, nice beer, uh, some nice dinkelacker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, some vice versa. One kartoffel salad. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> this has suddenly become a cooking show. Yeah. Um, Fatten <laughs> uh, Anyway, um. But anyhow, uh, so what's next on your, uh, obviously going out to the Olympic project. Do you have anything planned after that so far, or you guys are still throwing it around? Yeah. I mean, definitely some plans to be made, but, uh, over the summer here, I'm definitely going to be spending some time up in uh, other parts of New Hampshire and Maine doing some filming. And I, I do some filming for my YouTube channel as well. So, uh, you know, I put out videos on there occasionally every once in a while. You know, every every month or so I'll put out a video or two. Just uh, I'm planning on doing more, you know, out in the woods and just kind of the showing what we're out there, you know, setting up the fire and, and hanging out yeah. and just maybe some witness, witness interviews. I always love doing those. Uh, that's kind of in the plan. But yeah, aside from that, you know, doing the show um, and just a lot of filming. Cause like I said, got this one coming out now, then we're going to be doing the Washington thing and then uh, probably chasing legends season two at some point uh, this year. So uh, just a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff going yeah. on. Alex, uh, how can our podcast listeners uh, uh, find your uh, YouTube channel? What do they look under? Sure. Uh, Sasquatch out of the shadows. That's the best way to access it. And other, other content, uh, my website, Petakov media, that's P E T A K O V media.com. There's links to everything on there. So you can find whatever you want on there. Good deal. Yes. 
Well, folks, uh, it's been a great show again. Thanks, Alex, for coming on. It's always been fun. We always have yeah. A good thank you guys for having me on. I mean, I used to read your stuff back when I was in high school, Steve, and wow. uh, the, the bunkings, and I remember the 2008 Bigfoot hoax. So yep. it's wow. awesome to uh, to you know consider your friend now, and and nice to meet you, Chris. It's Amen good to, to that, you, Alex. We appreciate you being on the show. Thanks again yep. for coming. And, and Alex, we we definitely if I if I when I head back up to uh, when I head up to Maine, yeah, let I me definitely I'll uh, let you know because. You know, always good to oh, I love go Maine. by yourself. Any excuse oh, to yeah. go up to Maine is great. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, okay, folks, uh, on behalf of all of us here at Squatch DTV, we want to wish everybody a happy, safe, and lovely week. Uh, keep healthy. Remember, COVID's still a risk, at least for a little bit more. Hopefully, by September, we'll be out of this. So, um, everybody, just uh, hunker down. We're almost there. So, uh, everybody, we'll be back next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have Jeff Thomas on from Georgia. He's quite the character. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about what happened in 2012 when he was up here in the Adirondacks. And we'll be talking about his other experiences in the Carolinas and stuff as well. So, we'll we'll be all back here next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. SquatchTective.com. You can always check that website out, of course. Uh, tomorrow, a little bit later on, we'll be uploading the audio to our podcast listeners, uh, and which will obviously go out to uh, our stations on YouTube and, or uh, rather, uh, iHeartRadio and uh, Pandora and Spotify and Breaker Radio and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and all that fun stuff. So, catch us all. Catch you all next week, guys. Be good. See you later. Bye. You've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Steve Culls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless. And keep on squatching.